Hey guys, brand new podcast, and we are sick as shit in the Chrysler household. Yes. Leanne is the sickest. Probably, yeah. Last night she tried to fuck the dog. <laughs> That's not true. That's how sick she is. You finally got that joke. I tried telling that joke to the girls, but I couldn't say fuck the dog. But You did? When did you try to tell them that? I said, Mom, I said, uh, I said something like, if the teacher asks how sick you are, I say, I'm really sick. I tried to kiss my sister last night. And I was like, <laughs> I don't get, get it. it. You didn't get it either. You guys all stared at me over a... I uh, don't remember over, this joke at all. Yeah, I said it. But yeah, we're really sick. If anyone's got the flu, man, I feel for you. It's awful. This has been nine days for us. It started right after we came back from Philly, and man, it has been rough. Listen, just so you know, um, I know that we get mixed reviews on these long intros, and I try to keep them pretty short, but I do like doing this with my wife, and so I will do more of that on her podcast, where I'm with her, and we'll do podcasts together where we talk, because that is fun. I do enjoy that, and I'm also going to start a solo podcast that I'm going to do in my man cave. I'll release once a week here, and we did a test run of one last week. I may talk about the episode that we released if it's imperative, but I may not at all. I think I'm going to just talk about what I've been Googling. What are you going to call it? Birdcast. Not like more of me? No. <laughs> so Halston and I did one the other day, and it was pretty fun. And it was basically me going through all the stuff that I Google throughout the week. And I, I had done, wanted to do this segment of where you pull up your history on your Safari history mm-hmm. on your phone. And then... And then ask, because it's information you have that you've accrued, but you don't like... Right now, all I've been Googling is Ruby Ridge. So What is Ruby Ridge? I'm really glad you asked, Leanne. Ruby Ridge is... It's it's what happens in the media. It is a a group of separatists, white separatists, who moved up to Oregon because they believe that Armageddon was coming. This is in the 90s. Okay. (coughs) I forget his name. Um, Randy something. And he moved with his three kids and his wife. They believed Armageddon was coming. They were believing the scripture a little too heavily. And, uh, or, or not heavily enough, in all honesty. Because, uh, and then, and then he, he befriended these white supremacists who lived like 16 miles from him because they didn't have any friends. They were in the middle of nowhere. And I think he was racist. I mean, I think he definitely held racist beliefs. And then one of the, an FBI agent lured him in and asked him to cut off you're dipping into my solo podcast, by the way. This will be really uh, covered I'm on my sorry. solo podcast. They asked him to saw off some shotguns. So he sawed off some shotguns for the FBI, and then the FBI tried to arrest him. They wanted to arrest him so that he could, they could get him to turn on the white supremacists, and he wouldn't do that. He was like, no. And then he went up, and he was like, I'm not going to court. I'm not fucking... I don't believe in your government. I'm not going. And so then the FBI hunkered down outside Ruby Ridge, a mile outside Ruby Ridge, ended up killing his dog his son and his wife oh my god and shooting him shooting his best friend and his son i think his son shot an fbi agent and it was it was and then it and the and the media i i watched this documentary on i watched two documentaries i watched a documentary on uh on uh the oklahoma bombing because i i had that happened when i was a kid but i didn't know anything about it right like i just i was like oh yeah 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 like, and I just never learned anything about it. Right. I didn't realize that was in retribution to Ruby Ridge and to the Seventh Day Adventist, uh, the David Adventist, 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 whoever cleans your teeth and what? a dentist, a dentist, Adventist. Yeah. Uh, David Koresh. And so 
I watched that and then I was obsessed with Ruby Ridge because right now what they do in the media, like they just did this thing on Chris Berman where they're like, Chris Berman's a racist. He left racist voicemails to um, the news anchor that got fired, mm -hmm. the black chick. And then she, by the way, they put this on Twitter and it's a nine page thing of black people going, fuck Chris Berman. I knew he was a racist. Fuck him. He's dead to me. Anyone who would use the Swami as a thing, fuck Chris Berman. And then the last post Twitter posts is the... The black woman saying, by the way, this never happened. And, huh. and they do it. It's, it's, if it leads, it bleeds. So they bring people in on something. So the media called him a white supremacist. And then at the very end found out he's not a white supremacist at all. He's a fucking lunatic who believed in the end, the, the end of days. And right. so he moved up to the... Oregon. Oregon. And yeah, I'm sure he's racist, but he's not a white supremacist. Right. And so... I'm and by the way, I just bought guns yesterday, so that's, that leads into all this. So I watched this Ruby Ridge thing, and I was like, I need fucking guns, because they start coming after me, man. Anyway, guys, um, we got tour dates coming up. <laughs> you don't even know how to load that gun. You're right. I don't. By the way, both guns. I don't know how to load either gun. You don't know how to load the Glock either? Baby, I've never owned a fucking gun. Oh, my Like, God. I've definitely loaded a Glock. So are I've you planning it. on taking some classes? No. Well, then how I'm are you going? I'm an American. I was born with this right. No, yeah, you have the right. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you have the Baby, right because you don't know what you're doing with the gun, and that is very unsafe. It's called right privilege. It's called stupid, and that's how people get hurt. No, not so me. So you need to go somewhere and have someone teach you how of, to properly Leanne, take care of, of those guns. Of course I am. Of are course, you? Okay. Of course I am. I'm not going to fucking buy two guns and then wait until the day the guy breaks in and go, real, real quick, hold on one second. What is, is it red? Red means dead or safe? Black means, what? I, I, well, how does the safety work? There's a Come safety? On. I told the guys when I bought the guns yesterday, I was like, because it's a 10-day waiting period in LA, I was like, um, when I come back, I'm going to need like a tutorial. Oh, good. And okay. he was like, he was like, oh, definitely. He was like, we don't give you guns. Without. And you don't, with your first gun and go, hey man, good luck. Yeah. Okay. He asked me what I wanted my guns for yesterday, and I said, respect. Oh, my God. You did not. He was like, self defense, um, home defense. I went, no, respect. And by the way, if you didn't want your dad to know that you bought guns, calling Cowhead and I talking know. to him about it on the well, radio I I was not Cowhead smart. Last. Cowhead's my buddy, guys. Mike Calta. That I was really, that was you sabotaging yourself. Shut That was you telling your dad I, without telling your dad. So I someone else can tell your dad. Dead so honest now with your you, dad will know. I'm not certain I like this personality you have when you're sick. You're Why? a little ornery. You sense it, right, Halston? Like she's a little bitchy. I am, no, I am not. You are, and it's... Well, uh, I can't help my voice. Uh, that I can't do anything about. Sacramento Punchline, the 23rd, 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 25th. Like I said, those shows are almost sold. I don't know if I said that, but there's tickets available <laughs> Thursday, and there's a couple Sunday. Um, Gilda's Laugh Fest on the 16th in Grand Rapids at a church. Just go to Gilda's Laugh Fest and find those. Um... Laugh Out Loud San Antonio, the 6th, 5th, 6th, and 7th of April. Comedy Off-Broadway, the 12th, 13th, and 14th. Wise Guys, uh, the 19th, 20th, and 21st. Zany's Comedy Club in Nashville, followed by... That's not in my calendar. I'm almost certain I'm in Stand Up Live. Um... On the 6th of May, I am. I am. Funny Bone Liberty. Those will sell out real quick, so get those. Oh, and then I'm at Clusterfest. I don't know if that's been announced. Um... <coughs> I don't get sick everybody this year it sucks today's podcast is brought to you by beach body on demand um this is a fantastic platform what it is is if you listen to this you're going to get access to the entire platform for free um and and a discount if you want to buy into the whole platform um 
You just got to text. I'll get to that in a second. But I'm training for the LA Marathon. Right now, I can't run because I'm sick as shit. So I've been going to Beast Body. It's this guy. He does these great workouts. All you really need for it is I got an easy curl bar and I got dumbbells. And I've been doing his workout just trying to build muscle for this marathon that I'm running in two weeks. And I haven't been able to train for it because I'm sick as shit and afraid I'm getting pneumonia. But it's fan- And Leanne did the 21-day fix and lost a ton of weight. One I did. I did. I lost a lot of weight. I was very happy with it. It was so easy. I didn't think it would be as easy as it was. I mean, I wasn't like, oh, I'm doing nothing and losing weight. I had to work, but it was really easy to follow. Beachbody On Demand is a online fitness streaming service that gives you unlimited access to literally a ton of highly effective world-class workouts, and they're all set to hook up you with what you need. Um, they give you nutritional stuff. They give you fitness goals. That's what Leanne did. Leanne did their nutrition. She did the 21-day fixed. They've got the <coughs> 21-day fixed, Pio, P90X, Insanity, T25, Week 3 Yoga Retreat, and the and Leanne lost 10 pounds in on the 21-day fix. I did. For a woman, is really difficult, especially a woman as old as Leanne. Oh, shut up. What are you, 50-something? Shut up. I'm 47. Old, old women have a hard time losing weight. Oh, my God. No, but she does. She looks fantastic, and she's kept it off. So she did it the healthy way. And then and then has been doing the workout. None of us have worked out since Philly. No, I have not worked out in over a week, but I haven't gained any weight back either. And so that to me says, well, I mean, partly because I'm sick, but I kept trying to eat the same way I was eating on the 21 day fix, even when I was sick. It's accessible from your computer, web enabled TV, tablet, smartphone. Leanne literally uses her phone in the living room and does the 21 day fix workout still. Yep, or, or do it on my laptop. And listen, it, 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 it can cover any fitness level. So if you think you're really out of shape, I mean, Leanne did it. And, <laughs> and if you're up. in great shape, I did it. Like I, they have I can, modifiers for everything. Yeah, so. it's super affordable. It is, you don't have to worry about going to a gym or anything like that. You just go into your living room, hit play on your phone or your smart tablet or whatever the thing you have is, <coughs> and bam, you're working out. Um, and it, and if you have 15 minutes, I guarantee you they have a 15-minute workout. If, if you have an hour, they have an hour. Yeah. So whatever you can do, they can provide. You need to try this service. Right now, my listeners can get a free trial membership when you text BERT, B-E-R-T, to 303030. That's BERT to 303030. Text BERT, B-E-R-T, to 303030. You will get full access to the entire platform for free, for free, all the workouts and nutritional information is free. Text BERT to 303030 <coughs> and get yourself in shape. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Blue Apron. Uh-huh. We had Blue Apron last night. We had, I think it was filet. No, it was sirloin. No way. Yeah, and it was delicious. That it was, was tender it, as it shit. It was grass-fed sirloin. It was really good. Joey Diaz is calling me. I can't take this. Because that'll take a little, it'll be a fucking 10 minute extra add to the I podcast. Know. Everyone's like, Bart, answer it, answer it. Um, <coughs> what's great about Blue Apron is they deliver to your door. It's fresh. It's the number one fresh delivery recipe system service in the country. Um, the meals are cheap. They're under $10 per person, per meal. And it, you're never going to spend more than 45 minutes to make a meal. It's kind of fun cooking with your wife too. Leanne and I do them together. Yeah. And it is kind of fun. Opening a bottle of wine. They've got a bunch of different programs. I'm going to talk about all this. I'm talking about the real stuff right now. But they've got the, all, they've got the wine service. So you open a bottle of wine. This pair with your meal. You cook your meal together. Then your whole family sits down. You're a glass and a half into your bottle of wine right now. 
and you, and you sit down with the family and what we do is we go, Georgia, what was your favorite part of the day? Why, thanks for asking, Dad. And we talk about our favorite part of the day. And Blue Apron believes a family that cooks together and eats together stays together. And we believe that. I'm, I'm not even... Like, look, I wouldn't reiterate horseshit lines that I didn't believe in. Our family's gotten so much closer because of this. You know I love this. You, you know I get made fun of before my Blue Apron reads. But I, I absolutely love this uh, love this service. And, and we would use it even if they weren't a sponsor. We would absolutely use it even if they weren't a sponsor. They've got two-person per, two meal plans. That's meals that serve two people. Choosing from eight new recipes a week with the choice to receive either two or three recipes any week. Family meal plans, meals that serve four people, choosing from four new recipes per week, with the choice to receive two to three to four new recipes any week. And the wine plan, six bottles of wine from renowned winemakers delivered monthly. Um, I think I've given you all the information you need. Let's see what recipes you got coming out. Quick bucatini. Ooh, that looks good. Does it? That looks like a cheat day meal. Does it? For me. With broccoli and perro... Pecorino cheese? Pecorino cheese, yeah. Pan-fried chicken breast. That's going to be great. Ooh. Dude, those chicken burgers we had the other day were fucking phenomenal. Oh, my phenomenal. God. They were delicious. They yeah. had, we had these chicken burgers for lunch, and whatever the dressing on was, on it was. It, it was, was a Hwasan mayo dressing. Dude, by the way. Uh, it was good. That's pan-fried chicken over sweet and tangy zucchini. Italian-fried, Italian-style shrimp with sweet peppers and frijola sarda pasta. And this one looks really good. Parmesan-crusted steak with mashed potatoes and broccolini. Ooh, Broccoli. la la. <coughs> Sounds really good. Um. So, hmm. Huh. Huh. Blue Apron is treating Birdcast listeners to $30 off your first order. If you visit blueapron.com slash Birdcast... You get $30 off your first order. So check out this week's menu and get your $30 off at blueapron.com slash birdcast. Guys, let me reiterate this. Convenient, flexible, high quality. I'm relatable. These sound delicious. And this was a lighthearted read. I think we've covered all the bases. I think you got it, yeah. So go to blueapron.com slash birdcast. Get $30 off your first order. So check out this week's menu and get $30 off your first order. BlueApron.com slash podcast. BlueApron.com. Blue Apron. A, a better, better way, way to, to cook. cook. Oh, that was great the way we did that. <laughs> um, today's podcast is with a guy I, I find absolutely fascinating. There's so many roads in this business to success. And this guy's taken, by the way, one of the, easily one of the most successful roads ever. Uh, he was the head writer i want to say showrunner executive producer of the daily show i could be wrong on that but he was john stewart's right hand man he started the daily show as a video guy we talk about this on here um he's a stand-up comedian also and so he's left and, and we didn't get to cover everything because we were in a rush and i had another podcast coming and we had talked for like an hour and a half and i was like i was like i was like you know what maybe i'll just have him back because i wanted to talk to him about what it was like to leave a cushy network job where you know job security is there. You know you're the number one show on the network to walk away from it and go back to stand-up. Pretty and brave. Very brave. And the humility that comes along with that, and I know that because I did it through Travel Channel. There's days where you leave a, a job or you get fired from a job and you go, um, when you go into the clubs, you feel like... You're, you're like almost untouchable. Like, I don't really need this. I got a TV show. 
And then when you don't have a TV show in the clubs, you're like, oh, I really need this. Right. And you forgot, oh, this is who I am. This guy who needs it, that's who I grew up as. Right. It's almost like shaving your beard off and seeing your face in a mirror and going, oh, I forgot about that little guy. <laughs> little guy. Um, But I first heard him on Rogan and... It's so funny, and I, I don't know if you'll pick this up, but I thought it was Greg Giraldo talking, and I think Giraldo was dead at the time. Uh-huh. But I heard the voice, and I was like, is this one I haven't... Because they both grew up in Long Island. They both have that Long Island, almost like rate of utterance. And so I immediately fell in love with him because he sounded like one of my favorite comedians. And his first podcast he did with Rogan was amazing. The next one was just as good. And then he texted me. He's like, yo, I'm going to be in L.A., do you have time to podcast or hang out and just get a beer? No, he said, do you have time to go get a beer? And that's when I love dudes who are like that. Cause I'm like, fuck yeah. And, but I, I, I was also like, I could use a podcast this week. Do you want to just come over and podcast? And then he was like, yeah, came over and podcast. And he's like, let's do that again. And next time let's get beers and do it. And I was like, fuck yeah. Awesome. He's, and by the way, I, everyone shits on me for how much I interrupt people. Everyone shits on me for how much I talk over people. I better get my dick suck at how good of a listener I am on this podcast because man he is fascinating and I did not want to interrupt him and you know me I was biting my tongue going but but I have a question you know but and because I wanted to yeah that's just but I have so a story about me yeah but, but I have a story about, about me. me but I was so fascinated I just let him go and it was and you're gonna love it you're gonna absolutely love this podcast he did Rogan last week if you heard him there now you're hearing him here ladies and gentlemen Rory Albanese Um, we that we kept some of the stuff uh, like this guy was really cool I don't know like I know that I know that your family is like real men you said something one time that was like one of the <laughs> one of the coolest sayings where I was like oh only a guy who grew up with real men knows what that's called <laughs> um, what's it called when you get like uh, uh, covered what, what would your family call it when you, you got all, like you got a job and you get all the insurance? Oh, yeah. Head to toe bennies. That, yeah. Head to toe bennies. <laughs> Benefits, baby. Head yeah. to toe bennies. Yeah. Well, I grew up like, my family's Italians and Jews. They're, it's like a real Ellis Island group, you know, yeah. like so my grandfathers who were a big part of my life. One died when I was like 11 and the other died when I was like 17, but they were like lived 10 minutes away and they were at my house like every day. We're just old school depression era badasses. Like my Italian grandpa like fought in World War II in Patton's army, could like fix anything. Like Really? Yeah, like really like, and he was a young grandpa too. He died young. Like he was probably like, I think he was like 67 when he died. He was just like, but he's like a handsome Italian dude who could like, like if anything, like even something like this, he could like do it, you know? That's, and what, then my, that's why I thought yeah. you'd appreciate this. The one thing that this guy I had yeah. was he had made he had made all the boxes for all his woodworking tools out of wood. Yeah, so he had that's how like real woodworkers yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah, he he had made all the things to hold all the drill bits. So he made it the way. Like I don't know if you're familiar with this guy Casey Neistat. Yes, but well, I don't. I'm not. I don't ever want to shit on Casey Neistat. I'm certain there's a big group that does. Yeah. There are certain things I don't like about vloggers about the. Yeah, but he I, like there's a. I, I know what you mean because there's a part of it where you're like your impulse, especially as a comic, is to be like I hate that other thing, it's, and then you're like it's narcissism. But he figured it out though. Yeah, but he figured but no, it out. So like respect to him, you know. What's great about Casey Neistat is when you watch his when you look in his office because he really has one of those fucking yeah. insane brains where he he rigs everything so that it's the way he wants it. Yeah, he's like a gadget freak kind of. Yeah. I 
lo- that's that's what why I lo- he's that's why he's interesting to watch because he finds weird things to talk about. Yeah. The one that I really know of his, I mean, I know a couple of his things, but uh, the one that I found really fun to watch was the one where he was on Arab uh, United Emirates, Emirates Airline, yeah. whatever Arab Emirates Airline, and he's in like their their crazy first class section where you have your own cabin, yeah, and he's just and you have a shower, you know, and he's going through it. I'm like, dude, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Dude, you know? I've stolen so many of his travel hacks, like where yeah. he goes, oh, always keep a carabiner on you. That way, when you have your little bag, you clip it up there, and you got everything in your bag. That's funny. I, I have, yeah. and I um, I implement those. Cause I drink on planes. Like there's certain things you that are like travel hacks when you black out on planes. You go. I've lost so many iPads. So really? Many, People yeah. steal them? No, I leave them on planes. Oh, you leave them I just, on planes. Yeah. You get up and walk off a plane and you're like, oh, fuck, I had three bags. Uh, you know what's crazy about that too is um, my girlfriend had a, a situation where, and it actually, I think it was Ryan Hamilton who was, this happened to where he left a laptop on a plane and uh, there was a woman in Queens. There was a flight attendant. The joke was like, you can't, the minute you exit a plane, you can't, you can't get, get back, back on the plane. Yeah, Even yeah. like you step up right out the door, you're yep, not, you're allowed, not allowed, back allowed back on. Even if you're like yeah. seats right there, which is insane. And then that you say, I left my iPad and they say, what seat? And they come back and they say, it's not there. So these flight attendant, one in particular got arrested in Queens was like, she just had like a house full of iPads. And there was like, you know, like black market selling this stuff. But what happened to Ryan Hamilton one time is he left the laptop on a plane and then he did find my computer and we were at the comedy cellar to find my computer and it was like in like some shop in queens like we found like it was like it was in like a you know quickie mart or something in the in queens yeah so then the you know at the cellar they have those blackboard tables so i grabbed chalk i'm like here's the plan boys you know (laughs) and i was trying to plan a heist to get it back he's like i I don't want to do that i was like we take a van around back hamilton goes in and he's so nice he starts talking to him you know that's when you know that's when gary goldman and i climbed through the window you know (laughs) but yeah so so it's funny that you're talking about blacking out of planes because yeah that's it you leave something on a plane you never you won't ever get it back no you never get it back i I watched uh i watched tonight this is the move for pe- anyone who drinks a lot. This is the move as you are at the hotel. The show's at like eight and you wake You've been drinking and you get in early and then you wake up at like 630 and you're like, fuck, where's my iPad? And you're like, shit. And then you go on track my iPad. And I saw mine in the SWATs in Atlanta one time. Really? And I was like, God damn it. And I saw it at a house. Mm-hmm. Just saw, And this is before, you know, putting a lock on your phone was a very big popular move. Yep. Isla lost her, my youngest, we were in Philly this weekend and she lost her cell phone. And I was like, God damn it. And this is like the day I'm shooting. I shot my special on Saturday. This is Saturday afternoon. Okay. Like I'm, it's like five o'clock. Shows at seven. Isla comes into my room. I lost my iPhone. Now I'm like, great, that's how I'm going to spend my moments leading up to my special. <laughs> prepping prepping yeah. to get my mind around what I'm about to do, yeah. So then she grabs my phone and FaceTimes her phone, right? I don't know why she FaceTimed uh, it. Yeah, it's a bold move. <laughs> some black guy See just, the criminal. Some black guy just goes, hello? <laughs> and she's like, you have my phone? He was like, yeah, did you leave it in the elevator? She goes, yeah. <laughs> he goes, what floor are you on? She's like, 32? And he just and brought it He to just her. brought it up to her. Oh, my, that's fantastic. I gave her 20 man. bucks. I was like, give this to the guy, Isla. And she was like... Yeah, thanks a lot. I was, uh, but I, uh, but I had that happen to me out here last year. Same, I was out here at the same time of year, and I went out just because I'm out here alone a lot. So I just go over to like like a sushi place within like walk to my Airbnb. I was like in West Hollywood, and I like went to the sushi bar and I got hammered. You know, I just yeah. like was by myself and I was just drinking like sake and talking to the <laughs> sushi chef. You know, and I like I left and I was just fucking bombed. You know, yeah. And then I took an Uber back to where I was staying because I walked there but then I like came out because I was taking Uber back and uh, I got home and 
like two hours later, I realized I didn't have my phone. And I grabbed my iPad my ipad and like had to set it up because i didn't have it to get my phone and i started like texting it and t there's all these like text a number and i'm like trying to text my brother but it's like four in the morning where he is yeah you know, and saying like can you call my phone and then um i was like ah, i'm so bummed and i looked down to find my phone and it was in like los Feliz, and like and i found the address and i google mapped it and i was like fuck i was like it got stolen obviously from like the rat i didn't know if i left it in the uber or if i left it in the restaurant or what yeah and i was like man then i was like same thing i was like maybe i'll drive over there and like see if i can like get it you know can i borrow your phone real quick yeah 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 <laughs> and then exactly and then um like i don't know maybe two hours later i get a a text that's like hey man i have your phone i'm your uber driver and the yeah. next morning the guy brought it over to me dude. and he gave it back to me and i gave him like 40 bucks 20 bucks whatever it was he's like i can't take this i'm like dude you have to take this oh. money because for the like i was it's not even like you yeah, you don't want to have to buy a new phone, but it's like it's like losing your wallet. Like it's just like oh, every so much worse than there. losing your wallet. It's like yeah, it's just like it's just work. You know, it's almost like if you get mugged, you're like, can I keep my license? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Can, it's like just the legwork. Yeah, like, just you, like I don't want to go to the been DMV. To the DMV, man. obviously. Yeah, dude, uh, losing your phone is is one of those moments where you're like, fuck. Like there was a one time when Georgia, my my oldest, was probably like 13 months old, just walking. My dad said. Where's Georgia? We were at his house in Florida. And I said, I don't know. And he goes, is the pool gate up? And I oh, went, God. oh, fuck. That's the same feeling about losing your iPhone. Yeah. Well, a little, it's a little worse. <laughs> she was totally fine. Because you can like, always yeah. buy a new iPhone. Yeah. A kid, you got a kid, you got to start from scratch. Oh. Um, yeah, but it, it is. It's, it's just, it, it's weird, too, because we grew up, I'm guessing we're like, you know, in the ballpark of the same age. You, have, you're a little younger. I, I think even when you, when you went, got to New York, I'm Dimitri's age. Okay, so you're a little. I think Dimitri and I are the same age, exactly. Okay, yeah. I think. I um, yeah, whatever. I mean, we're within a couple of years of each other, but the we grew up really without cell phones. Yeah. So the joke of like millennials don't know what it's like to not have a phone. It's like, but neither do we anymore. Oh, like that whole yeah. concept of like those kids don't have attention spans. I'm like, yeah, neither do I. Like it's ruined everybody. Like it's completely made you so like. Even I talk about this all the time. It's like you remember going to a place. And there would be a line and you'd have to stand in line and you didn't have, you just stood in line. Yep. Like there's no, if you weren't with somebody, you just stood there and like, you just stared at the dude in front of you. You looked yep. at the wall. Like I had this, I went to a restaurant uh, in New York the other night with my girlfriend and I left my phone at the table and I went to pee, but it was like, you know, like now it's everything, not everything, but a lot of places are like co-ed bathrooms. There's like one bathroom and now there's like a line to pee for a yep. dude, right? And, or there was two, but it was co-ed and I'm standing there waiting, waiting. And I didn't have my phone and I could have gone back to the table and gotten it, but it ended up being a longer wait than I thought. And I just stood there and I was like, man, this is so weird. Like, this is what we just did. We just, there was no, nothing to read. There was nothing to do. I just stood there. And like, I was like, man, I was like standing and I just started thinking about it so much about like how much time people, especially going back before electricity and stuff, must have just sat in the dark, you know, like how much time, like if you couldn't fall asleep and it was like 1784 and you were like in your cabin, what did you do? Like you read the Bible by candle, like, like what were your options, you know? And it's like, I was like, you know how many, like in, on a night of insomnia, you're just like, I guess I'm just sitting in the dark, you know? It's like, I can't fall asleep. I'm like, I'll go play PlayStation or like watch a movie yeah. or tweet or read a book via iPad, you know, whatever. It's just amazing when you think about that and like how we become so accustomed, even on an airplane, man, 
Like, I'm mad now. Like when DirecTV cuts out, I'm like, you kidding me? I can't watch Animal Planet. It's like, my well, grandfather was like, that generation was like flying into war, being shot at, you know, on planes. It's what like, was the joke I tried to write yesterday? Because I was like, because I stopped using GoGo in flight a long time ago. You did? Oh, yeah. Just because I was like, it's a ripoff. Yeah. I, I, if you have an Amex card, you get 10 free a year. Oh, it's a ripoff. It's yeah. fourteen. You it was fourteen dollars on my flight yesterday. Oh, I had mine was thirty nine coming out here for the whole flight. Mine was one flight. It was fourteen dollars. Maybe I started it mid flight. Right. But I was like, I, w I was listening to a podcast with this guy. Rogan had this guy on his podcast, who's a fucking beast. And I was yeah. like, well, I was, his, Gogans. Yeah. Did you I, listen to it? No, I didn't. Oh, you should listen to it. It's fucking. I will. I'm actually doing his podcast tomorrow. But yeah, that's the thing about Rogan. Like he gets like. He's like more of a man than anyone I've ever met. You know? And he'll like, never admit that. Like he'll never yeah, like. Of course. Dom Herrera like, said, "You're more of a man than me." And Joe goes, "I wouldn't know about that, Dom." Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, you definitely are, dude. You're more." I've more, seen I've seen Dom drink white wine in an airport. You definitely are more. <laughs> of a, by the way, I'm Dom's more of a man than me. Of course, so, like, yeah, <laughs> we're not men, but, but yeah, uh, Rogan's but yeah, from a different like cut of steel. You know, he really is. He yeah. really is. He's he is. Uh, you know, it's I. I was unaware, you know, just what, how many ears he's in, how many ears he's in and how many hours he's in those ears. Yep. I was at my family, like I, I was in Philly this week and my whole family's from Philly. So we had a big party at my Nana's house and, uh, these three, uh, 17 year old boys are just obsessed with Joe Rogan. Yeah. And they're, they come down and I'm, they, one cousin's there. The two friends drive over, find out I'm there. They drive over, and then they're just like, "What's Joe Rogan like?" Yep. And I was like, "I was like, oh, he's a great guy." But like, my relationship with Rogan is very different than what they would ever know Joe Rogan to be. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, well, I you know guys very, are close. You're like your friends. Yeah, I know yeah. a very different Joe than they'll ever meet, hear, witness ever. Of course. And so part of me is like, I'm a little protective. I don't want to be like, you know. He's just as fucking broken as all of us. We're all like, like I'm, I, like I, yeah, I'm you not, don't want to ruin the. I don't want to ruin the allure. The gloss. Like yeah. he's a regular fucking guy. Like he is. But my point is, like a, a lot of regular guys, which I consider myself a regular guy and a comic who's you know doubts himself every other minute and all the things anyone who does this kind of stuff has. But he also does stuff like bow hunt and kill elks and then like freeze elk meat and eat it. He's you know got, what I mean? He's, he's got, like, he's got like a, he's, he's got the ability, he, even just like physically, he like works out. He's like, a, you know, he's consistent. He like yeah. gets up early. Like he like, he's disciplined in like a way that is impressive, you know, he, especially in this world. But he can also like, he also won't not go out. Like I was in yeah. Denver last year and he was there and and um, I, I did it. I was doing a, a, a showcase at the at the uh, comedy comedy works comedy works Denver, which I'm going back to in a couple weeks. And uh, place is great. It's amazing. And I, but then I was there like Thursday and an early show Friday because I was like showcasing my hour for Showtime. And and then Joe had the shows the rest of the weekend, so I like hung out with him. And then I, I went to watch one of his shows. And then Chappelle came on after Rogan went on and did like 45 minutes, like he was like, in town. So yeah. afterwards, and I was with my girlfriend too. Afterwards, I went out with the four of us, went out and a couple of tell uh, Chappelle's friends, and I don't know Dave really at all, uh, and I don't think he was like, I mean, he was fun to hang out with, but I don't think he was like a huge fan of me. He loved my girlfriend, though. But um, uh, I could tell you that like Rogan 
like he's not like I gotta go home and like take creatine. Like yeah. he was out with us till oh, like he likes to get down four in the morning, boozing and hanging out, you know. And like, yeah. and, like, like that's what I mean. It's like a lot of dudes who like live that kind of like MMA like lifestyle. Wake up at five a.m. Like, yeah. da, 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 like they're like they don't put drink. They won't drink. They don't have all these strict rules. He's like, no, he still enjoys himself. I mean, I don't know how much, but I'm saying he'll still go out late and hang out and oh, like not be like, out. I got to get up and work. He's like, he can like, that's the thing I respect about him is like, I know a lot of dudes who like live like discipline life and then they lose this other fun part of their personality. Yeah. He hasn't lost his, fun and he hasn't part. lost his fun part no. at all. That's why I'm so impressed with him. Like, he's not like, he's not like, sorry, bro. I got to wake up for my like 5 a.m. Kettlebell class. You know, he's like, yeah, let's go. Like, let's but he go. also likes a challenge. So I, there is a part of Rogan that I always think like. If he is going to party, then he goes, oh, then I'm just pushing it that much harder tomorrow. Tomorrow, Like, yeah. he loved, like, he got into jogging because he sucked at it. <laughs> and he's like, why Who do the I? fuck it's well, anything they suck at? I know. I it's only do opposite. things I excel at. Yeah, dude, I only do things I have a natural propensity to do. <laughs> yes. And if and and then when, the minute I doubt my natural propensity, I'm like, I think I'll quit that yeah. thing, too. <laughs> <laughs> Notice I don't paint, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah, that's so, that's so true. Yeah, I have the exact opposite instinct. Like, I hate running, so I avoid it as uh, much as I can avoid it, you know? it's. it's just, but what I, was that guy? Who's the guy that was on this podcast? David Goggins. Okay, what, what is his story? Because I don't know. Uh, I'll listen to it. Embrace the suck. Like he, he's like, he just is, he was overweight. You should, I mean, listen to it, listen to it, but it's just, it is, uh, it's a guy who decided he was like 300 pounds, decided he wanted to be a Navy SEAL, had to lose a hundred pounds in a month. Like this a, was at like 18 or something? Yeah, like 18, 19, lost, wow. a, lost a hundred pounds and uh, went through Navy SEAL camp three times or the name whatever it's yeah, called um uh, they had a tv show. hell week hell, hell week. week or whatever yeah i uh, went through it three times uh, by the way couldn't swim was terrified of the water so he's the kind of brain and i think joe connected with him on this a, t- a bit but uh he's the kind of brain that was afraid of the water so he spent as much time in the water as he could wow yeah and so yeah. it's a really inspirational but but i'm on the plane and it and it cuts out like it ends like i like you didn't download enough I didn't, before the flight took off so i was like i was like really into this podcast because i'm running the la marathon in a couple weeks oh wow and i'm and that's impressive have you done it before no okay but see that's a, that's you, the big difference between me and rogan is like i go oh yeah i just i, I could do it and then Joe's like, no, you haven't been working hard enough to do it. And then I go, yeah, but yeah, roll the dice. It. I'll do it. Yeah, roll the dice. Yeah. I did a half marathon with no training. Really? And it was... I, so yeah, how I, have you been training, though? Like, I actually have been training for this. I'm running pretty hard. I'm running five miles a day. I'm running four of the miles fast and running fartlicks is like a way to run. It's uh, where you sprint, jog, sprint, jog. Fartlicks, it's, it's called? It's, it's the name of the, uh, the thing, yeah. So you like sprint for uh, like a seven-minute mile. And then you jog at you, what your pace is. It's a way to increase your your base pace. So that I want to I want to try to run this marathon in under five hours. Right. And so in order to do that, I've got to run roughly like an eleven minute mile. So r- right now my base you have to average in eleven minutes over the twenty six. Over the twenty six. Uh, so w- when you sprint a mile, how fast? Are I can you do running? I can do an under seven minute mile. Wow. Right now, but, that's but, impressive, dude. Yeah. And were you how how long did it take you to get to that place? I mean, have you always been a runner? I've, I've always been a runner. I've, I've always been naturally athletic. Right. Um, like I was, I was played baseball. Got recruited to go play college baseball. Uh, you were actual real yeah. athlete. Yeah. And um, and my dad was a real big runner, and so I've always been able to run. I've always been like me and Segura took these running classes together, like at Barry's boot camp, and uh, 
Segura is not a natural runner. Tre- treadmill class. Yeah, treadmill classes. Right. And I just like it. I like and it. And how did he fare? But he was also smoking at the time. <laughs> so he would literally get out of class and light like, a cigarette. Uh, yeah, that's, a, that's not going to work. <laughs> and so so right now, I have my, I'm running pretty strong. But I'm listening to this guy going, the only thing you got to get over in a marathon is the mindset. Because like... When you start looking at it and going, okay, I've done two miles. I have 24 miles left. That can overwhelm you. It gives you like yeah. panic. And so I'm just need to, I want to get to the place where I was like, where I embrace the suck. So I'm listening to this guy. He does ultra marathons too. And so I'm just, I was listening to him. Anyway, the joke I was trying to get to, which by the way, I'm going to fuck up because I didn't write down because I just, I'm done my hour. So now I'm like brand new material Yeah. Um, is, uh, oh, fuck, go, go, go in flight is you have a relationship with it like uh like calling a girl and going hey we're we gonna hang out tonight she's like i would but i'm with my boyfriend right and you're like okay and you just got to be cool with it yeah you're like <laughs> i understand so that's what i feel like the whole time i'm go go in flight i'm like no she's got a boyfriend i get it i, I get, get it. it but i'm but you know what if i get a little action on the side maybe some yeah. website will pop up that'll be fine occasionally occasionally yeah, take a little taste. Take a little side yeah, yeah, yeah a little taste that's fine <laughs> yeah thanks exactly. go go in flight. it's funny too though because you could be on a you know a girl from florida here yesterday to meet me i've been here like a, 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 is this the week. same one uh blonde hair yeah okay yeah yeah she i read i don't know why oh i know i know why um, but I read some article she did about skincare. She's a, she's a hairstylist and does, um, she gets, she gets like, she's a New York city, like kind of fancy pants hairstylist. So she ends up in a lot of those like articles about like hair care, skin, you know, all yeah. those like health and beauty kind of like blogs and magazines. Pick she her doesn't up, like, use she's high, pretty and uses, yeah. you know, she was saying she doesn't use high end face cleaner. She just uses Cetaphil. Mm. And I was like, yeah. oh shit. Yeah. Because I have this thing on my cheek that I've had for fucking two years. Really? Yeah. I think it's yeah, She knows acne. a lot about like that, that world of like, uh, you know, it's like, she just said to me the other day, she goes, you know, there's a face cream that people buy by like, you know, Metis, whatever French company. And it costs like $400 for like four ounces. And she's like, and they have the exact same one at CVS for $7. <laughs> it's just serious? like what's in the cream, you know, like it's like kind of like life hacky stuff, you know? Cause yeah. Uh, you know, I always joke around with her about, uh, you know, I, you know, I used to like, I, I, I've worked in TV for a long time producing and writing and, then I like did the daily show for a number of years. And then I like left and I, I left the daily show. I was running it. I was executive producer. I started as a production assistant, but I left as the, yeah, I want to talk to you about this. But, but my point being, I left cause I just was like, I want to do stand up full time and yeah. you can't do stand up and run a TV show. You can, like I did a half hour special while I was doing the daily show and it suffered, you know, cause I was putting like 10% of myself into stand up and like, you know, I always, you know, say I put 110 in, so I put hundred percent in the daily show. But, um, and then I came out here and then I was digging it. I was like writing, a, like I'm writing a, a, a pilot and like, you know, that I had sold. So I was like, it was like a part-time kind of job and I was on the road doing stand-up, and I was doing it full time. And then I got a call to do the nightly show to run it. And I was like, nah. And then they were like, no, you could be on it. So I went to do that because I wanted to be on camera, you know? Yeah. And then that got canceled a cut, like about a year and a half ago. And then I've just stayed in New York. But, um, so my joke with, with my girlfriend is that, um, you know, there was a period of time when we started dating that I was running a TV show. So like, 
I was like, yeah, you need some face cream, get some face cream, you know? Yeah. And now I'm just doing Santa full time. I'm like, you should find the CVS face cream. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like that's just like what this business is. Like you, sometimes you're flush, sometimes you're yeah. not. And um, so I always just joke around with her now, like that she's like developed all these life hacks since I'm like doing stand up. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm like, well, you know, you got to figure it out right now because maybe you should start I'm a YouTube a- channel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, cause I'm like, you know, I'm like the next time we're making money is I'm like, you know, I'm going to Rhode Island in two weeks to do, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, it's so funny. I can't even remember any of the clubs because they're all like, you, do you find that when you're, when you're doing a lot of shows in a row, it gets confused. You're like, was I in Rhode Island last week or was I in? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember where I was last week ever. Ever. Right. Like ever. I get, I get so confused because it's like, and then there'll be like a month where I'm just in New York doing stuff or whatever. And then there's like a month or two where I'm like, I got a lot of gigs back to yeah. back and I get like, you know, you're flying to like, you know, like I have to, do, I'm going to Rhode Island to the comedy connection for a weekend. And then like, I come back and then I'm flying to like Wisconsin to the, uh, the casino in Wisconsin. Uh, I forget what it's called right now. I like, you know, it's like a native American, native American. I, I'm trying to be political right? casino <laughs> in Wisconsin. And then I fly from there to the comedy works in Denver, you yeah. know? And it's like, I'm not coming back. Are you, between. are you going? So when you do the road, you go straight out? Not always, but yeah. some, sometimes it depends. Like it's, I, my attitude on the road, particularly cause I don't, you know, I'm not like a name. My hour of the, I, I had this hour I taped over the summer that I, was supposed to go to showtime that I had sort of a falling out with my management. Like it's a, it's a long story, but like, Wait, I'm dying it, to hear it. it yeah, yeah, I know. You know it's, that's the gossip. I love hearing. I know it's, <laughs> but it's one of those things I like almost like legally can't talk about, but uh, I have, you know, new management now much. Who's your manager? Bigger, now? Uh, James Dixon. Who's like oh, b- big, he's like John Stewart's dude. And okay. Colbert's guy. And oh, F- yeah, Kimmel's guy. Know. Like, yeah, he's like, a, yeah. I've known him for years. Uh, Cause I worked with John Stewart for so long. But um, he watched my hour and was like, "I love it. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll let, let me try to get this thing out there, you know." And it, yeah. it's hard. It, it, it's it's a it's a hard time if you're not like you know I'm like a forty year old straight white guy, which is like at the moment not like. By the way, can't complain about being a straight white guy. We've had a pretty good run, you yeah. know what I mean? And like, I actually agree <laughs> that like we need more representation in this industry. I've worked in it a long time, and I can tell you like that's not a wrong instinct. Like, it's very, it's a very privileged industry because you have to have and again i didn't grow up rich but like i had the opportunity to get an internship at letterman because like my friend from college's older sister's roommate was an assistant there and i got it in yeah. which most people don't even have an opportunity to access a person like that and i did because i got to go to college and then when i got my internship at letterman i was able to like live with my parents on long island for free and like take a train in every day that like my dad paid for the monthly ticket and i i didn't make any money for the summer but i was able to not make a lot of money for the summer because i had a place to live for free and like food in my parents fridge you know so yeah it was like if you, if you don't have the like backing to do that you don't get to like get an internship and then that internship led to uh, another gig through that same friend who got me in it you know her sister's friend heard they needed a pa at the daily show and i was able to you know so it was like then i got that gig at the day and look i worked my ass off dude like i came into the daily show and there was all these like ivy league dudes who were like writers and they made me feel like a ray james yeah ray guy? had left when i was okay. there but he and he and ray was like more like kind of a scrappy stand-up dude but maybe tell was that what they used to call him oh yeah i don't yeah. but you know it's funny i miss he would come in still and do 
and do like voiceover stuff when I started yeah. working there. But I just was like, I was in this position of thinking I was like funny and then realizing that nobody cared. And like I was, yeah. so I had to like, I like, I was a PA and then I was like the tape librarian. And it took me like eight years of being there and like eating shit and having these dudes make me feel like I was not, I, I mean, I do, I do actually do a bit about it in my hour where I say, uh, you know, they made me feel like I was too dumb and whatever, couldn't write there. And, and then, so I developed you know what the Italians call a vendetta. You know what I mean? And I like, I like was like, I'm going to stay here until I'm running this place. You know, yeah. not to, I ended up being there 14 years, but part of the reasons I stayed so long was because I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to climb every rung on this ladder until, and I did. I ended up being the EP. You know, I was like running so, the whole place. But and then I was doing that for a couple years and like, you know, getting paid pretty well and all that stuff. And I had that epiphany of I was like, man, I'm 35 years old and. I'm not doing the thing I like the thing I set out to do is this and I'm like I'm not doing it yeah. so I, I'm doing it on the side and I'm doing it here and there and I'll open up for Lou Black occasionally and I'll go out with Oliver before you know he really blew up and all that stuff and but that's not doing it you know doing it is this which is I don't know like doing I don't it's know what's next and, going and like yeah. I don't know and I, I don't did, know if this is gonna pan out yeah and people thought I was crazy like you leaving that job for this and I was like yes because if I don't at least take a swing at it oh. I couldn't I couldn't you know it's like you can't sleep at night and you and everyone's like yeah but the money and like money does believe me like you don't think money matters if you're making it but then when you're not you're like oh shit I guess it mattered more than I thought. I'm like <laughs> man I maybe I paid for too many dinners you know I could have had more in the bank but um it, it it's still there's an exhilaration in going after the thing you want to do and like I've told people like I did the nightly show because I wanted to work with Larry because I thought it was cool and I actually was really into the idea of doing a more working on a show that was like more diverse and like we really went out of our way to Larry and I both to like really make that like an extremely diverse staff and really bring people into the industry even if they lacked an experience like I met a dude on a USO tour in Afghanistan who like approached me in like a forward operating base in the middle of nowhere in like Kilagai province and like you know like western Afghanistan where we were like I don't know if you ever did one of those but we no. were, like they like Black Hawk you to different bases it's crazy you like travel via Black Hawk it's one okay, of the I don't know if I could do that oh you could uh, it's it's like that story you were just telling about you just go yeah I'm too scared to do it and, and then you get there and you're like not only am I not scared to do it I wish I could do more because these guys are so badass yeah. and they appreciate it so much that you come out there they're like, what are you doing here? You know, and we're like, you know, and you just like stand on the back of a flatbed and do a stand-up truck, uh, do a stand-up show. And then you like hang out and eat with them and chill and shoot the shit. And then, um, and then you, and then like, it's like Uber, like two Blackhawks, like, like, see you boys. And then they take you to the next place. It's really cool. But, um, the, uh, there, like, you know, a guy approached me, this guy, Sergeant Kinter, and he's like, I really want to get into TV when I get out of here, you know? And I was like, he's like, I don't know if I have the skill set. I'm like, dude, you're in a war zone. You could handle like working at a TV show. You know, Definitely. I don't think you realize what TV is. So I, you know, we kind of stayed pen pals. And then when he, when I started the nightly show, he was available. I hit him up. I hired him. So we were doing a lot of that. Like Larry and I were bringing people in who like either didn't have experience or just didn't have the opportunity. And it, which is why I think what made that show for me a, a really fun experience. And I got to be on camera, which was fun. But, um, it really became part of like my belief system in like the, te like, so I, I, like I said, it's weird. Cause now I'm in a position where it's like, 
that philosophy is almost working against me because it's like, you know, Netflix is like, well, we don't need another straight white dude to do a special. And I look at the thing, I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'm a producer. I'm looking at the lineup. You don't. And um, so I'm not resentful about it. But at the same time, I'm like, man, like bad timing on my part. Like that I got, yeah. I, and I'm really proud of my hour, but like, you know, it's it's harder to sell than you think because yeah. it's just a time, like I'm not, so it's a weird catch 22. It's like, it's hard for me to sell tickets because my hour's not out, but it's hard to get my hour out because, you know, like it's like that. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out that, uh, but it's, it's, it's interesting because that becomes the, the next challenge, which is, well, what's, what's the thing? Like, what do I need to do? Oh, to... I call it cutting the sleeves off your comedy. Yeah. That's it's, it's it, it, there. This is going to sound silly, but like, I've been obsessed with this, this theory is because as a white guy to sell tickets, you know, you need, you do need that identifiable thing that stamp that like yeah that like larry the cable done. yeah i was cut, literally sleeves, just yeah. gonna say that yeah cutting the sleeves off your comedy i hate to say this but like you know i when i took my shirt off when i did my last hour showtime was not comfortable with that and i was like yeah but this is what i've been doing on the road so i gotta do it so and i'm not gonna put and then, but i'd back myself into that corner like tom had already started fast shaming me and it was not i i was thinking this is a bad idea but i've never done i haven't done stand up with a shirt on in, in like seven years so i don't know what this is because i was just living on the road i was yeah. living on the road going like this is what i do mm -hmm. you know fuck it it's 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 just thursday night it's not like i'm not preparing for anything it's just thursday night and i want to have fun fucking take my shirt off have a few drinks do a show thank you good night you know and so when i did it i was like oh shit and then i just got off the phone with tom as you were walking up but tom was saying you know what's great is that he was like, I heard someone say the other day, like, oh, the guy with his shirt off when he does stand up. Yeah, it, 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 and it, it, it's, te it's cutting the sleeves off your comedy where people can identify you as the, the guy who does a thing. And it's funny, too, because the uh, I remember when I first started doing stand up, like early, early on, and you would like, you know, trying to get into clubs and like a guy like Lucian Hold. I don't know if you if you were told me I was never going to make it in this. Business. Yeah, me too. You know, and then I like I'm like, I'm never going back to that guy. He died. He, he ran the comic strip in New York. He died a really horrible way. too. Yeah, I he think. did. And, and getting past there w w was like a thing. You have to get a lottery number and the whole thing. But oh, I, I, looking back at that, though, though, I'm so glad I never passed there. Well, but it's interesting because I was I had like this weird thing happen to me with stand up where I started doing it. And I was one of the things I was doing on The Daily Show around like 24, 25, as the footage guy, is I would find Lewis Black, because at the time, Lou would come in every week, once a week, he was on the show. This is before Lewis was famous. Yes, but he was just starting to break, and from The Daily Show, and every week he was there, the segment Back in Black, so my job became, I had to find all these weird stories for Lewis and be like, what the fuck are they doing in Ireland? You know what I mean? And I'd find yeah. these weird, whatever. I would go through the AP news feeds and we, we had these like, you have to, I, you, you're going to have to slow this down for them because once again, all these kids without phones are never going to realize that this wasn't just in your, in your Instagram feed. Oh yeah. There was you no internet. I mean, you had to find stuff. Yeah. The internet wasn't, the internet wasn't a place where video even existed yet. Like the speed of the internet didn't really support video. So yet, put you know? this in perspective. So, like we were, how many hours a day were you? Was going tape, tape based tape based everything was tape based and not only was Shut it up. yeah so we were like literally we were literally just we would have like cnn on in our office there all day so if we heard something we'd quickly jump in and like record it you know or we just had a tape running and then we'd like mark the time it was all time code tape based so um we even had an online edit room and i worked in an online edit room for years uh there uh an online edit room is is a is a linear editing system so 
it's tape to tape. So basically you're in this huge room. It's like the size of a television control room and it's one editor and an assistant editor and you're up at this big table. And it was at Sony Music Studio on 10th Avenue where it was amazing to work there because they were, it was still like the music industry was still had like some footing, you know, and yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. they were still like Tommy Mottola was running Sony music. Like a time when like, so dudes would go into Sony to record their albums, you know, this is before like garage band and the technology being in like your basement. And, um, so I would like be working in Sony music studio and like, I'd go take a piss. Like I had spirits where like, I'd go take a piss and I'd walk in the bathroom and I hear like, and it would be like Steven Tyler warming up his pipes against the tiles. Like while he's at the urinal, you know? And I'd be like peeing next to him and he'd be like, you know? And I'd be like, what's up dude? You know? <laughs> and he'd be like, wearing like green leather pants. Um, but the online editing room, it, it required so much space. It was like a, you know, I don't know, 800 square foot, like, like elevated lofted ceiling space yeah. and um one dude and it was like monitors and each tape so you would you'd make a selection and he'd hit record and it would record the choice and then you do the next choice but if you had to go back you had to start over like whereas an avid it's just like nah yeah. slide this here slide this is all digital it's non-linear it's called linear means like you're recording in order in line so your times have to be perfect because it has to, the ta- when you're done, the tape has to be 21 minutes and 30 seconds long. Not 21 minutes and 31 seconds, not 21 minutes and 29 seconds. Like it has to be, so all of your timings, you have to go, well, let's take that. So I used to do this thing called the Global Edition, which was like a best of the week of the Daily Show. So I'd go over there and I would, I'd have my like five choices of what I thought the best things were. And then I'd have to go and assemble them. And then he'd be like, well, we're going to come up a minute heavy. I'd be like, all right, we'll cut out of that joke here, slide that back. Like it was, you know, it, it was challenging only because the technology was limited. So I was doing a lot of that stuff. And so for Lewis, we would have these AP news feeds come in on a daily basis that they still have, I'm sure at the daily show coming in that they pay for. Then of course, once we got TiVo's TiVo's changed our life in a big way. I remember. Uh, I can remember the year this TiVo started. Yeah, and like when we started using TiVo, and then we then they then this other technology came out as I was like moving out of the uh, footage world when it got easier. And I, I don't mean like here's the thing about how John Stewart operates, why the show was so successful is because as the technology increased, and it's actually one of the reasons I think I moved up there. But like you know, we would sort of push it and go, well, look, now we have the ability to do A, B, C, and D. So let's change the process. You know, let's change like you know. So there was a period of time when I first started working there, where like the writers would think of something, and we'd have to search it and find it and see if it existed. And then like I, you know, I would start sort of having conversations with John. I go, listen, man, like you know, we, you give me a couple funny dudes in this room because I started sort of managing that room. You give me a couple funny guys, like we'll just bring you stuff that's already interesting for the show yeah which will save the writer's time of having to like figure out what might exist and then we can bring so like you know we started like sort of producing the show in a different way and then our ability to search for things there this comp this company invented this software where you could search the closed captions of any show so it became john would come in in the morning and go see if we have any like republicans saying the phrase um, you know, from my cold dead hands or whatever it is, or, or, or some Democrats making this point. Cause like we start to, you know, you start to notice talking points You go, wow, Fox news is really driving this one talking point. Let's see how many times over the last 48 hours, Fox news has said this phrase, like, you know, George Bush is an, in, an intrepid president, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. And then we'd search it and we like, we got 28 of them. And then we'd start making those montages, which now is like, it's funny. Cause that was really John Stewart's vision where these like white flash montages of sort of finding these like 
consistencies of people saying the same thing or people arguing their own points. And he really was the guy who came up with that. And we were doing it about the news all the time and showing Anderson Cooper do stupid shit or showing Hannity do stupid shit. And now they're doing it. That's like they had to deliver the news now. Like on, yeah. on every news channel, it's like they'll flash, white flash. Here's all the times Trump said this, flash, flash, flash. Like those white flash montages is really, I, I attribute to John Seward because he really put that out there. And uh, it's funny because it was our way of making fun of the news. Now it's their way of delivering the news. Um, I, I, I was going to say that. Yeah. Is that is in a weird way, you guys kind of showed them how to do what they're doing now. Yeah. And, but and you guys were non... I, and everyone always thinks you guys were like a big liberal thing, but I always thought, found you guys to be... We just were make pretty, fun of whatever is funny. That's that's really was the philosophy. I think the show became popular during the Bush administration, and we had like Cheney and Bush, so we had a lot of fodder on those guys. Yeah. Um, and people were... People were saying to us, how are you going to do it when Bush leaves office? We're like, we're just going to do the thing we've been doing, which yeah. is making fun of the dudes in charge. It's just a truth to power thing. Like, it's yeah. really all it is. And they couldn't believe it, man. When that election happened, when Obama was going against Hillary, we started making fun of Hillary. Our audience, and you know, as a, John's a stand-up. Yeah. And you know, as a stand-up, when you're doing a good joke and the audience is bothered by it, you love it. You love it. Yep. No, you don't love it if you're like questioning if the joke is good. But, like when you when it, know, but when you know it's good I and they say, get upset. It's like when a girl gags when she's blowing you. You're like, like oh, yeah. that's not the noise I'm looking for, but that's what I'm going for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm glad it happened. I'm glad it you happened. Because <laughs> it just makes me feel good about myself. Yeah. But it, so is that like I would, you know, at that point I was at like in a, a, a higher position there. So I was like, you know, one of the executive producers and I was like going between commercial breaks because we taped in time I was the guy going to the desk to talk to John about the previous act and that's when I you know you really like you know John and I are, are, are still pretty close I mean I talked to him a lot and and all that but I could tell you that like that's when I really started to and I always knew he was like beyond genius and I mean that sincerely um because when you're working with somebody like that people like one of the other reasons I stayed as long as I did is because I was like I'm working with like Steve Jobs as he's creating app like I'm like I'm next to a dude who's I've met a lot of people, man. And I know a lot of standups and I know a lot of funny people and I know a lot of comedy writers and like, there's no one I've ever met that is the, has a more well-rounded base of knowledge in my entire life. Like John Stewart can, can argue with a not, not only argue, but like have a in-depth conversation on economics and about the like 1967 Mets lineup or yeah. about like, and he's like also good at sports. Like he's like, He's like one of the most well-rounded. He's he's not just. Some people are very smart on a certain topic. He seems to be very smart on all topics. And if he doesn't know a topic, he can like absorb the information at a pace. Like he would, I would go in his office sometimes, and he'd be reading a book of some author that was on. That if you had a talk show, you'd be like, "Can we just get like one of the girls from Gossip Girl?" You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't really want to read this like four hundred page Doris Kearns Goodwin book on like you know Lincoln or whatever. Yeah. And I'd go in his office, and he'd be like, you know, cracking the binding, and then I'd go in like two hours later, and he'd be like, I don't know, three quarters of the way through Jesus. it, and then he'd be in. So, so, so you know, it's not like he had like we had researchers and we had a lot of smart people around him supporting him and giving him ideas and things. But, you know, there was the feeling that dude could really just do it on his own. You know, I mean, you need a support staff because it's a lot of shows a week, but the guy was brilliant. He would come in in the morning with like, this is how we're going to get these bastards today. And sometimes those bastards were Obama. Sometimes those bastards were Hillary. You know, 
there was a bulk of eight years where a lot of it was was Bush, but we would rip the Democrats for sucking at going after Bush. Like this guy's doing this and this, and you guys can't. Yeah, you guys can't get footing over him. John Kerry can't win after the first four years of that president. You know that kind of stuff. So, you know, there were moments when I'd go up to the desk, like when we'd be making fun of Hillary, where he and I would be like, "Yeah, man, that was awesome." You know, look yeah. how upset they are. You know, because it's like a bunch of twenty-one-year-old liberals who are like, you know, coming down from Columbia or or, or you know, to, to like watch the daily show and john stewart for president you know and then he'd be like yeah here's why hillary sucks they're like what is he doing wait 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 why why that's the wrong side and it was like it felt good you know it felt it was really fun for us and um like we did a piece one of my favorite field pieces of all time was sam mantha b at zuccotti park when they were doing occupy wall street and it was you know this whole one percent versus 99 percent. and she went down to the park and it was about a week or two into that protest and at that point a a uh, caste system had formed within the 99%. So you had this like 1% within Zuccotti Park of these like bourgeois Brooklyn Heights Park Slope Volvo driving liberals yeah. who were on the top tier of the park. And then a few steps down were the drum circled hippie liberals who like smelled and like had white dudes with red locks. Yeah. And she did this incredible field piece that was the like sort of exposing that caste system where you had all these like oh this is our lending library and everything is here is for sharing and like you know she'd be talking she's talking to some guy with an ipad she's like oh that's cool hey can i give your ipad to that guy in the drum circle like no (laughs) i was like not everything is for sharing you know like just destroyed the entire that's what absurd premise of that place and that's to me was and especially as a comedian and like that's what i love you know and i really try to do on stage is like i don't think i don't think there's a, such a thing as being one-sided as a comedian i think your job is to like be a cynic just, yeah and just, and just expose hypocrisy and, and untruths and absurdities you know and like i, I don't know I, I i try i really try my hour i really tried to hit and not i don't just talk about politics in my stand-up i try to do some silly stuff in there too but i really tried to have sections of like making fun of like christian right i have a whole section making fun of the christian right for trying to straighten out gay men and then i have a whole section complimenting but also teasing transgender people you know and 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 i've had liberals get really upset about it and i'm like but I've had transgender people come up to me and hug me and be like, that was great. That That's was really the weird funny. thing about the transgender. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, white, almost like white guilt <laughs> the, the, uh, back and forth within the LBGTQ community. I don't even accuse not in there anymore. Is is, it? I don't know. Uh, the gay community and then, uh, transgendered. And then I was, I was, I was listening to something, uh, reading something today. And I was like, the whole concept of being born this way, like if you're born gay or not born this way, because that is the big divisive thing because half of the people say, no, 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 this is a choice. Half of the gay people say, this is a choice. And then the other half say, no, I was born this way. Right. And the people say, this is a choice. They go, well, if you tell them you were born that way, then they can isolate that gene and they can start aborting gay babies. And so, you, huh. so you're like in the middle of it going like, oh my God. And then it, with the, uh, or, or, or aborting straight babies or considering gay babies. people seem to be, yeah, seem to be a, a better, a better group. <laughs> That's what I like about you is that I'd never, when well, I, I, I'd, I'd heard you, I think maybe both times on Rogan or, but I heard you another time on something and this is going to sound so silly, but you and Geraldo grew up around the same areas, yeah. and you guys sound alike. Oh, really? The first that, that, time I that heard is you. like probably the greatest compliment anyone's ever given me. And you guys are both on. You're both 
uh, almost identically minded people. Very, very intelligent, very liberal, but more cynic liberal. Like, like you're, I'm socially liberal. I'm like, you're like liberal like me. Yeah. Like almost like, uh, almost like a, not proletarian. What's the liberta- libertarian? Libertarian. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think liber- the term libertarian has been hijacked now by like a, a, a sort of more of a tea party group of people. But I really do think that like liberals bother me. I can't say as much as the right, but almost as much because the pro and, and my biggest issue. And, and again, this is the thing I, I you know, at least in this last hour I did. Now I'm trying to work on, a, like you just said, a bunch of new stuff. I'm like really trying to, and also trying to like, that's why I like, I think Chappelle is just so amazing because musicians do. And I, and I, and I, I think I've maybe even talked about this with Rogan one, but I do look at comedy, like music. I think it's like you either have an ear for it or you don't. Yeah. In other words, you can learn to play the piano, but it ain't the same as when it, you just, so funny people who can deliver a joke just have it's the thing you were saying you lean into something you were good at like yeah. i wasn't really good at much but i was always funny so yeah. i was like well maybe i can make a living on that like if i was really good at baseball i would have given that a shot i'm always shocked at the people who weren't funny in high school that became comedians yeah i know I mean, it's, it's, it, so and by the way there, there's just maybe just a a, a discipline to that like look like look at a guy like, like dimitri. dimitri yeah i love I dimitri say that he is not funny like i mean I'm, listen he's hilarious yes but being around dimitri yeah he is not a he's funny not like guy. he's not like riffington funny you know what i mean and he's, he's not, not giggling yep he's just he's a and if you eat guy. out at a restaurant with him he's like stands up and gets his own silverware because he's yeah. like from a, the diner world you know yeah. where he grew up and yeah. he, but he's a great guy i'm, not, I'm one definitely of, one not of my fa- on. one of my favorite guys he's like one, he's one of the nicest coolest sweetest dudes you ever met and again smartest 1600 on his SATs can yeah. write with both hands different things simultaneously I mean the guy is he's next level the guy is next level yeah. he really is like yeah. legit I'm saying this from like but like and but he like, practices I mean w- there was a period of time where we, we he was w- doing stuff on the daily show and I was producing it for him and we became very close and he was working on not just being ambidextrous and that he could write with both hands in other words I'm signing my name now with both hands meaning I'm doing the same movements on the same. so he was working on writing something with this hand that's different than what he was writing with this hand so yeah. think like that's so in other brain. words I'm 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 signing my name for you yeah. and I'm writing my phone number for you like I, I, I can't even like it's hard for me to even for my brain to even grasp the concept of doing that let alone think of it and then practice it and then begin to master it you know? oh. I mean the dude's he's gifted and, 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 but I know what you mean and, and I, but I do think that um, and I'm not saying that but he, but he has an ear for comedy. He definitely. So does. in other words, there's he and has a, he has a savant level ear for it. So he, my point is, you you can't teach someone timing like he has timing. Yeah, it's like, and I, I think that's true with music. Like, like I'm not really mu- that musically inclined, but like in the sense of like I could play a couple of chords on a guitar or whatever. But when it, would, if it came to like, hey, we're doing this at one eighth speed, and then, you know, I'd be like, oh, slow it down, hold yeah, on, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. But uh, stand up, I always looked at like. I, or comedy is music. So I like, I would always look at like writing comedy for like a guy like John Stewart. That's like composing. I'm writing a song for uh Britney Spears, you know, like that's like, I'm yeah. composing. I'm not, I'm not performing the music, but I'm a songwriter, you know? And then it's for me, stand up is like, all right, well, let me, I, I always think of uh, a dude, I, a musician I love who I don't think gets enough credit is Warren Zevon, you know, credible songwriter, yeah. totally badass dude. Uh, said one of the most influential things I've ever heard anyone say about death 
when she was on Letterman, he was diagnosed to die. He had like terminal cancer and he went on Letterman was a huge Zevon fan and he had him on a bunch and Letterman's interview. It's a great interview to watch. And he's like, I'm going to die in six months, Dave. Like he knows he's going to die. It's his last Letterman appearance. And Dave says, well, all right, Warren, like you're going to die. What's the big takeaway? What's the, what's the thing you feel and have learned from the, from where you're feeling? He goes, Dave, you got to enjoy every sandwich. <laughs> that's it. Enjoy every sandwich. And I was like, that's the most profound, yeah. that's the most profound thought I've, I've ever heard anyone have on death, which is like, you know, but it's the same thing as like, you know, don't sweat the small stuff, whatever, but it's just enjoy every sandwich. And he says it, he goes, I did, man. I've lived a great life. I've had fun. I've like enjoyed myself. I haven't, I don't have a lot of regrets about the way I did things. And, and it, I don't know. There's like something pure about that, you know, and, and, uh, like being fearless, even at the end is something cool about it. And I, who knows on the, at the actual end, how he was feeling, but even to be able to say that on television is pretty amazing. And, yeah. um, I think about the, cause Yvonne's one of those dudes. He's like an amazing songwriter. And there's so many songs he wrote that you've heard so many ways, but he also had a, his own music and his own albums and his own things, but he was never, yeah, he was never Bob Dylan. You know what yeah. I mean? He was. Not, he's not thought of like you know. You don't hear kids talking about him still no, or anything. No. But, what do you? But think? I like that. I like that career in my head. I'm like, it doesn't have to be my stand-up might never become. You might not. Not might not. Most likely aren't going to be Bill Burr, or Dave Chappelle, or one of these dudes. You know. You None know. Of us are. But Burr's, right. But I'm by the way, Burr's not. But I don't think Burr sees himself as Bill Burr. No. The way we see Bill. We see Bill him wouldn't that way. say. Bill goes, "Oh, I, you're putting too much thought into of it." Of course he does, because he's because he's like one of the most modest, humble dudes there are. But he can do stuff on stage that most people can't do, which is he can take you down a road on a topic where. Everyone backs away. And that's one of my favorite hours. You people are all the same when he's on stage and he starts talking about hitting women. And there's like 3,000 people in the room. Yeah. And he goes, they keep saying, you know, don't hit women, don't hit women. Right, of course. I mean, he says, and then he says, they don't deserve to get hit. And he's like, now wait a minute. <laughs> and then he, po and everyone's like, ooh, you know, yeah, and he goes, yeah, yeah. I feel you pulling away. And he like steps towards them. That's something I always think about on stage. You bring up a hard topic. Your impulse is to go, I'm just kidding. Have a shit in the toilet and it splashes up on your butt. Yeah. But he doesn't. He like leans into it. He goes, let me finish. I feel you pulling away. And he makes a case. And the case isn't that you should ever hit a woman, but this concept that people don't deserve to get hit. And then he goes through stories about things women have done to him. And he's like, don't tell me that person didn't deserve to get, would never hit her, you know? And it's, yeah. I, I'm, I'm butchering it. I'm not like doing, doing the exact routine, but it's like I, to be able to do and to think about when you try that. And that's him doing it in his hour after he's like mastered it. Think about the times he did it. The first the time store. he did it. Yeah. The first time he said that out loud, like people are walking out of the room, like booing him. Like that's not even like I've seen, you've seen just doing standup for as many years as I've done it. How many times have you been in a club and like Chappelle pops in or Chris Rock pops in or these guys pop in and you're like, Oh man, I can't. I'm, and I go down and watch him. I can't wait to see him kill. They don't always kill. Yeah. They go well, on stage. They're trying new material. There, there's something brave about them in a way. That's like what, I, why I think they're the next level guys. Like they, they push it in a way that is hard to do. There's plenty of times I'm on stage. I'm like, I really want to work on that new joke. And then I'm on stage. I'm like, I'll just, kill for the with the 15 minutes i know right now and like have a good set there's a lot of times where you go up on stage and you go to like i did it the other night and i and i regretted it i regretted it 
But I woke up the next morning and I went, I'm glad I did it. I had this story that I was closing my special with. And I was like, I, and I, I was like, it's killing on the road, but I got to find, there's, it's not, there's not there yet. Like I, I knew it. I knew it integrally. There was, there was something missing, still meat on the bone, I guess. And yeah. then, and I took it to the store. I was like, I'll do two shows, both shows. I followed like Dalia. I followed just a bunch of murderers and, and I did it. And Man, I'll tell you what, that'll really shine a light on where your fucking weak spots are. And I, then I, I, I was depressed, but I was like, dude, I'm a comic. This is what you do. You, you fail. You, you're never going to get better if you don't fail. Dude, it's all, so much of it is just failing. Yeah. Woke yeah. up the next morning and I was like, okay, what did I learn? I, I was depressed. I was depressed. So I was like, that's my closer. I'm filming it this weekend. What did I learn? And I was like, or I was filming it the next weekend, actually. And so I had one more weekend on the road and I was like, I, what I learned was that there was a lot of times where I was talking and they were listening and there was too much of that where they weren't laughing where with my fans, they'll give me that stretch. But if I'm, if I'm, if you're watching my show for the first time, you might go, this guy talks a lot and doesn't tell a joke. So I went, all right, let's go through and take out all that fucking fat and just say what needs to be said. Yep. And I did it and it was, it helped me. Now there are certainly people who look at it and go, yeah, but you, you didn't do well. And you go, yeah, I know, but that's part of what this is. I mean, I, I, that's something Lewis Black said to me early on. And I, you know, I was saying that earlier. Like, when I started, I got lucky. Like, I was pulling footage for Lou, and he was still doing clubs at the time. And he, like, decided just because he liked me, and he knew I was trying to get started in stand-up, just to take me. He just started taking me on the road with him, and I was by no means ready. Like, he took me to the stress factory, and I was like, you know, which is like a really rough club in New Jersey. It's like, <laughs> I, I compare it to the... Uh, to the roadhouse you know where swayze worked you know yeah. like where you almost need chicken wire around the fence you know it's like it's a, it's a working class jersey room it's jersey and, yeah and it's i know real, i've had friends it's real jersey fist fights it, it ain't pretty jersey it's like real Jer it's, it's a, the kind of town you want to kill in by the way that to me so is the club. difference between and what i and i truly believe this and i this isn't about fame this is just about stand-up there's a lot of this like alt comedy scene which is fun and it's funny and these guys are really funny but if you don't bring it out of those rooms, if you're just in that like hipster room and in that hipster environment and you're killing, 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 but you never go to like a club, like a club like in Philly or in Jersey or in Missouri or wherever, like yeah. name the real place that's full of dudes who don't know anything about comedy, who are guys that just like worked a construction job all day and like, I'm going to go have a beer and laugh at some asshole. They, if you, if you'd never done those rooms, I don't care if you're a fucking sitcom star or a movie star who was a stand-up. If you haven't like really gotten hit in the dick or like had to fight your way through a heckling. I've had guys come up to me after shows. I don't know why they got mad at me for yelling at you. The whole point of a comedy club is I yell something at you. You yell something funny at your back. I'm like, that's part, not really the point. Yep. You know, it's more that I write things to entertain. But, you know, there's something about working in clubs, comedy clubs to people. It's not like they don't act like they do in a theater. They're eating dinner. They're talking. They're yelling at you. If you don't yeah. keep their, it's hard. I and, had a guy yell something out. On the taping of my first show in Philly. Sure. And you're like, I'm taping well, a special. Because he taped in Philly. That's yeah. on you. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> the, but there is there is something to be said for... Now, there, now, the opposite can be said for guys like myself, who when I was younger spent way too much time in those clubs. Sure. And then you go, oh, I haven't been to LA. I haven't, we're, I have, I haven't tried... And you'll see a lot of road guys where you're like, they come to LA and they're like, what's up with the Devil Rays pitching staff, huh? And you're like, huh? Mm -hmm. Who the fuck talks about LA the Devil Rays? LA is tough, man. I 
I, I, it's, I'm, that's one of the reasons I'm out here. I'm, and I'm trying to, I've just sort of made a pact with myself that even if I don't need to be out here, I'm just going to start coming every couple of weeks or so to hang for the week because there's dudes like you that like, I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Cause I'm like, you know, I hang out at the comedy cellars. So I know all the New York comics and I hang out at the, you know, stand up New York or New York comedy club, any of the good clubs in New York. And I know the, it, it's fun actually some of the clubs there's a rotation of younger guys i don't know and i'm getting to know them which is fun you know yeah. and like talk to them and it's fun sometimes it's fun to be like the old guy in the room be like here's what i think and they like <laughs> listen you know but uh but bill burr was the one I, I saw bill the other night I, I went to the comedy store just to hang out i did a gig at the ice house and then i went by there and and uh i i was talking to bill and i said you know he was the guy who told me and I, i've known bill for a long time but we're not close by any means or even still in contact but i've run into him here and there and i told him i go you know and this was at like luna lounge which was like a hipster room in the in the back in the day in the still is east village is oh no 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 i was in, thinking i was thinking of i was thinking of uh uh the one in la that uh yeah not uh, no. i know the one you're talking yeah. about largo largo yeah I'm, luna, luna lounge was in new york i remember it's luna. Not around yeah, yeah i remember it was luna. like a jeff singer used to be and I, I was talking to bill at the bar and i knew then like because I, I I even found a flyer recently of it was like new faces and it was like uh, at the Caroline's and it was like me and Bill. I'm like, it's funny that they thought we were both new faces because not only he's older than me, but he's a, f I mean, he was already like a dynamo, you know, and yeah. he was already going, he didn't ever, like he never started like, well, at least when I knew him 15 years ago, he was already hitting people hard. But he said to me, he's like, you got to go to every kind of room. You got to go to places where you know you're going to bomb. Whether uh -huh. it's like an all black room or it's a it's like a biker bar or it's a hipster room, whatever, whatever place you don't think you'll be welcome, go because that's how you get good. And I love going to hipster rooms because hipsters don't particularly like me. And I deliberately work material there that isn't going to please them. Like, I'm not going to go, well, what will work in the hipster room? Like, yeah. what what part of my act will upset these people and how much of them hating me can I take? Yeah. And LA I find to be intimidating in a lot of ways as a stand-up. One, one of the things that happens a lot of times you're when you're on stage is there's other comics watching you. Oh yeah. Okay. So there's a big thing in comedy, which I have, and I don't know if everyone has it, but that's why I say guys like Chris Rock or Chappelle or any of those guys are Louie when they would come into clubs. It's like, I already know they're funny. So if I'm watching them bomb, and by bomb, I mean try material and not necessarily murder the whole way through. Um, I'm never like, I wonder if that guy's really funny. Yeah. But people don't know me. So if I'm doing a gig and you're in the room and you haven't really seen me do stand-up, I'm like, well, I, I just want to kill. So like, yeah. what's my best 15 that like is not going to make these guys think I suck because I don't know all these guys. And like, you know, and even in New York, it's not like every time you're on stage, there's other comics in the room, but the nights that they are. And I've had shows like, you know, the Village Underground, which is the other comedy cellar room, which is the bigger room, has a table. So the comics table in the Village Underground is in the room. So you're sitting in the room. Which one's Village Underground? It's is the, that on? It's it's on uh, West Third. It's below the Fat Black Pussycat. That oh, kind of It's that the bigger one. Yeah. one, like lower ceilings. Yep. And it's where we met. It's it was like yeah. Rich Voss's birthday roast yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And um, and that room has the comics table in the room. So you're on stage, and like the next four dudes are watching you, depending on how early or not they get there. I wish they would outlaw that. <laughs> yeah, so it's so I've had times where I came off stage one night, and this was like the week before I went to Denver last year to 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 showcase my hour for Showtime, and I was like, and I came off stage, and Louis was in the room, and he watched me, 
And Ryan Hamilton was there, and he's like, "Dude, Louis laughed through your set." I'm like, he, and then Louis came up to me, like, shook my hand, and was like, "Dude, that was great." And he like went through a couple of my bit. I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, yeah. and then of course everyone told me if Louis sees you and likes you, like, there's a chance he asks you to open for him. So for the next like week, I was like, had my phone checking out. your phone nonstop. I was just like, am I am I getting a signal? You yeah. know what I mean? And, and then and then like maybe two weeks later, exact same scenario. He's I come off stage and he's in the same seat, and I did a some mainly the same. 15 or whatever it was but maybe a couple new jokes and i came off stage and he was sitting there and it was like i i always compare it to like groundhog's day where i when he's trying to have that same special night where they're making yeah. snow angels and he can't replicate it he's trying so he's like oh my god <laughs> like so i was hard. trying to do that like i was like what's up louie like shake my hand again like wasn't yeah. that funny like and he was like couldn't have like couldn't have been less interested in talking for the second time you know and i was like oh yeah. man but it's intimidating and it's not by the way it's not just famous guys you care about seeing you it's any comic you just want other comics to like you and respect you and not necessarily like you because you want to please the crowd but you just want them to like go yeah that guy's got chops you know and that guy can do it or like i like that guy's funny and it's tough man i've seen other comics i've been in the room when other comics were i know we're good but like and have a rough set and you could tell it just bothers them because you know, I, I don't know. I had a set. And, and, and like you said, man, bombing is like, it's just part of it. Yeah. It's just par- part of it. And like, I, that's what happened when I went out with Lewis. Like he took me to the stress factory. I was like what, 25 years old. I was wearing like a, you know, a, a collared shirt out of a V-neck sweater, you know? And I was like, you guys ever take the A train at night? And, you know, and they were like, suck my dick. You know, it's just yeah. like, a, and I did like seven minutes of pasty mouth bombing. And I remember going, this is it. Lewis is never going to take me out again. I failed. And I go in the green room and he's back there laughing his ass off. He's like, ah, and I'm like, what? What 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 happened? And he's like, I'm, I'm like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. He's like, are you kidding me? He's like, I brought you here to bomb. He's like, you thought you were gonna do well here? Like, I brought you to the stress factory. <laughs> stress You've been factory. doing stand up like a half year, you know. Vinny set and, you up to bomb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, then we all went out to dinner, and Vinny Brandon owns it, and he was like, yeah, you sucked, bro. You know, they were laughing at yeah. me. And then I had to do the second show, and that's that moment you realize. And then Lewis on the way home, I was like mortified, you know. And Lewis on the way home said. uh well, do you still want to do it? I go, yeah, I want to do it more than I ever have now because that yeah. happened. He goes, well, then you're fucked. He's like, you're in for life. because, And he said, because that's all this really is. Stand-up is bombing. Yeah, It's just you're bombing and then you're just the addict. It's, and I don't play golf, but I've played golf. In other words, I've hit golf balls before and I've, you know, just it's like, you know, as a white guy, you're supposed to try it. And um, I, it, it's the only thing I can really compare it to. It's like you go up, you go to the driving range one day and you just hit a ball clean and it goes straight and you go, I'm addicted. Yeah. And then you can't ever do it again. And then you just chop. And the whole time you're just like a little bit of a slice. You're like, no, but that was kind of straight. Yeah, but- and, then, and then you try to readjust things. You know, you're like, well, if I keep this arm straight and bend my knee and then a whole new problem occurs and then a new problem. And oh. that's really what it is. It's like, you're trying to get your, you're like, but I hit it perfect that one time. Why am I slicing it now? And then, and then you're readjusting and then you're listening to yourself and you're trying to get better. And I spent, I used to talk to Dimitri about this because we had a very different beginner's philosophy. Whereas Dimitri just wrote really good jokes and never cared about his stage persona and his like comfort on stage or his ability to talk to people. He's just like, I'm going to go up there and read my jokes or say my jokes. Yeah. And I had a very different thing where I was like, I wasn't really worried about materially in the beginning because my philosophy was like, no one really cares what like a 25 year old has to say anyway. So it's like, I'm not going to have some impact. I'm not going to be like, yeah, let me tell you how it is. People like suck it. You've you've been an adult for like three months, you know? So my philosophy was like, just become work on getting comfortable on stage, work on being me on stage. Cause I knew if I was with my friends, I was funny. So if I could be as close to that guy on stage, but it takes a long time. So it takes a lot of stage time oh, and it yeah. doesn't matter how, 
how confident you are before you go on stage. You get on stage sometimes, especially in the beginning, and you're just like, you don't realize how many things happen when you jump on stage. You start hearing things louder than you did. You know, like, like I remember when I first started doing stand-up, I'd hear someone drop a fork. I'd be yeah. like, hold on to your forks. And then and like when you're in a restaurant, you don't hear someone drop a fork. No one else heard the fork right. drop. So it's like, then you have to learn, oh, don't mm, ignore that. Oh, that light is br-. like, you have to learn this whole new existence on this, in this weird environment where everyone's looking at you. And it, it takes, for me, it took years to really feel like, and now I feel like when I get on stage, most of the time, even when I bomb, I can go off and go, well, I was me. The times I bothers me when I bomb or the times I make stupid mistakes. Like the times I'm on stage and I'm working on shit and I'm pushing myself and it's not a good set, I come off stage and go, that was like exhilarating. Like I earned that. Like I, I, it, it didn't matter that they didn't like it because I learned this and I learned that. Oh. But the times I'm on stage doing old material that I know works, but I'm half-assing it. Like, cause I'm like, Oh, this old chestnut. And I'm like, yeah. they don't know it, but yeah. I'm acting like, you know, and I always think like Mick Jagger, he's been singing satisfaction for like 60 years. But every time he does it, he's like, yeah, I love this tune. He yeah. probably wants to put a gun in his mouth, but he performs it. That's called being a good performer. You know? So those nights when I like fail, cause I like pulled up short or I didn't commit to the bit or I, mm. I those are the days where I wake up the next day depressed and I'm pissed at myself because it's like a rookie move oh I've I've had made I made rookie mistakes this weekend yeah like I yeah like where you go what why am I fucking flubbing up words like what the fuck my like why am I paying attention to people saying why am I pe- pe- like yeah the, I, I definitely Do you know, know what that. I mean though it's like and yes. you know you're not and I I, I can only imagine I stepped on the mic cord what <laughs> right. I was walked forward steps on the mic cord the mark uh, like <laughs> I jerked yourself back yeah what yeah. the fuck yeah I've yeah, had yeah. those I've had those a lot uh, you know the uh, the longer I've been in stand-up the more acute I am to them I think that when I was younger I didn't even pay attention I didn't even know that was possible I was mm-hmm. just needed if I could get a little bit of a laugh I was like that's all the fucking matters yeah but also the thing you talked about which I know you said you cut the fat off that bit but like that's another thing is getting comfortable with the silence and realizing that like you can inflate the balloon of the room sometimes like look at Chappelle's last special or two where he was like I mean there were moments in one of them where he's just talking and he's talking and he's talking and he's talking and he's talking and and then he just hits this one you know Lewis Black it's like Lewis if, if you watch him live he's really really good at setting a putting a like a flag in the ground and then like building a little town around the flag and then just going bah and it's like you know yeah. but sometimes you're like man i haven't laughed in like six minutes you know but yeah. then you belly laugh but i think that becomes like i said musicians like when i look at those guys and i go it's cool because they were changing their sound like not every bob dylan album sounds the same and it sure as hell not every dave Chappelle special sounds the same bill burr is the one bill burr is the one that i noticed that did that first where i was like i was like oh this is different than the last where i go wow he's trying a different he's playing a challenge himself yeah yeah yeah. and i love that i love too it's really cool like my my goal this this on this special was to write jokes no one else could write meaning not i'm not not saying like like but just come up come up with my own form of jazz like i don't care i don't care to be in a rat race with like I feel like I feel like a lot of guys are trying to write like Bill or write like you know like take a social issue and then pick it apart from the other opposite side and or like 
or like some people are like a lot of people are trying to emulate what Sebastian does, you know, bring back these like cool concepts and like that's, that's what they're doing. And I was like, I was like, I want to create my own thing. I want to yeah. do my own thing. And I think I found that a little bit. I didn't find it at all in my first special, a little bit. And then I found it a little bit more on the second special. And then I was like, oh, I think I can like, I'm tired of having jokes stolen from me. So I was like, I'm just going to write jokes that are so me. Yeah. And I, that's my, and so then now it's hard to like the thing that's really hard about that. Cause I can tell you that like, it takes a long time to figure out who you are. And in other words, as a comic. Yeah. And it's, so it's sort of that feeling of like, like for me, my voice, like I'm just starting to really understand the stuff I'm good at talking about versus the stuff that feels like, uh, I don't really want to talk about that. And some of it is me trying to separate all the years I spent at the daily show. That's got to be tough. Writing a, a certain way. And now I'm, I'm doing a lot and it's not political, but I do do a lot of social stuff, but I, but that's where my interests lie. Yeah. That's, and well, I'm good the, at writing that stuff. So then it's sort of become like, well, how, what's my take on it and how am I going to attack it? But one of the things after recording this last hour, which like I said, I hope at some point, and if I have to release it myself, I will, it'll get out there. But is that what you're talking about, which is what am I going to do differently now? Like I'm trying to Dude. make myself be sillier and I'm trying to go like, get, get into some silly topics, get it. You know, what I'm trying to work on is like, like, like make them up scenarios you know like i've been doing a bit about how like i'm going to start doing citizens arrests you know because yeah. i like like it's a good way to like help society and i just go through the scenario of my citizens arrest like what how would it go down and yeah you know i you know, like a guy mugs me i'm like yeah okay sorry bro i got bad news this is you know drop your gun and then I, and then i like go through the fact that like i don't really have a car in new york so i got to take him downtown in an uber you know yeah. and then the uber pulls up and it's sort of like now i'm just telling this hypothetical silly story which you know, I haven't really done on stage. So I'm trying to go like push it a different yeah. direction. And you can still be talking about whatever you want to talk about or whatever interests you. But then it's like you're saying, like create your own jazz. That's what I really, that's the exact word I use for Chappelle's last two specials. Cause there's like, dude. I watched them and I was like, no, this dude's playing jazz, you know? And it's like, it's, it's, he's doing like, you know, that special he starts, he goes, I'm so good at writing jokes. I'm going to start doing it backwards. It's one of my favorite jokes I've ever heard. Yeah. Have I ever heard? And like, I know a lot of comics or I've talked to a lot of comics who go, like, oh, I hated those specials. And I'm like, I don't know, man. To me, that was like, this dude just was like, I'm going to just reinvent the wheel because yeah. I've mastered this craft. And I don't, you know, it's like sometimes Kanye will put out an album. Like, I hate this. And then like a year later, I'm like, this is the best song I ever heard. Cause he was like a year ahead. Beastie boys always did that for yeah, me. I, like, to me. I don't get it. And then I'm like, Oh my God, Paul boutiques is a genius. How could I not? Paul have boutiques a genius? Yeah, Cause they were like a year ahead or two yeah. years ahead of what was your brain. Where is that? That's how I felt about those two specials, which was like, Oh man, like it almost, it inspired me. And then it also almost made me want to quit. Cause there's a party that's so like, inspired oh, I'm me. so inspired. And then the part of me is like, could you ever like could you ever even play in that arena? No, you know but yeah, I mean? you can because yeah. you know why this is why this is what inspired me about it was they were his voice. Like that he wrote them. Like yep. he wrote them. Like I knew he wrote them. I could say I could see the, his writing. I could see yeah. the way he writes. You're right. And so I got excited. It's like one of the things that I loved about Bob Dylan was that you knew that he wrote the material. Prince, you knew he wrote yep. the material. As weird off even the Beastie Boys, as weird off as it would go, you could see... Couldn't agree more. You could see the ground, the framework from where it came from. I mean, I'm a, a huge Bob Dylan fan, and one of my favorite things about him is that, like, almost every album sounds different than the album before. And yeah. not always in a successful way. Yeah. In other words, some of them are bad. 
In other words, there's, he has certain albums that are just bad. Yeah. He, has, he has a couple albums where he was in a contract with like Warner Brothers he wanted to get out of, but he had to give them two more albums. So he just put out like two shitty weird albums to close the contract. It's in the book about him. And um, I actually don't hate those albums, but they're like, he wasn't trying as hard, but yeah. he still tried some weird different shit. And I, it, like, I like that. I like when you know you can, you, can, you can get the hint of the artist inside the thing, although it changes. And that's where well, the Beatles are like that too. Wilco right? is one of my favorite Wilco's bands. Great. And, and I go to early Wilco and I go, oh yeah, not totally my taste. And then you, then you or, or what was it? Uh, Uncle Tupelo's whatever the fucking first band he was in. Mm -hmm. I'm like, not totally mine. Early Wilco I like, late Wilco. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And you watch him build th that or grow. And that's what I like about Chappelle and that's what I like about Burr is that I go, too. And, and that's the thing I like about comedy. And I'll say this, I'll say this across the board. I, I'm not a fan. I'll never become a fan of a comic who doesn't write his own material. A comic that has hired writers. Yeah. And I'm not talking about like The Daily Show. That's a TV show. No, no, I'm no. I'm talking no, about no. guys who I, go I know, out. I know guys like that. and I, Who perform I, their hours. I know guys like that now. And I see them, you know, they'll come into a club and they got like three dudes with them with like notepads. And I'm like, what are you, you just what having a fuck? team punch you up? Like, then what are you doing? Yeah, well, are you doing karaoke? Yeah, I don't you're know. You're basically doing karaoke. You're, you're saying, guys, I'm actually a great vocal piece. I'm good at well, branding. You know what's funny? I thought about that at one point, that it would be fun in, in, a, in a set or in an hour to do a cover song yeah, and be like, this next one's from George Carlin jamming in New York, 1990. And then yeah. just do a verbatim, you know, obviously you're not stealing it. You're saying, Hey, musicians see a musician live. Yeah. And they'll be like, here, you know, here's my version of that. And then, and, and then, and then I was kind of joking with myself about how I, and, and I'd be like, you know, I'm a cover comic, you know, I Dude. cover, but, but the idea, I, I totally agree with you. Cause the, to me, the whole sensation of the thing, and that's look, I have had comics come up to me and give me a tag or yep. I love that. Totally fine. Totally yeah, fine. I, I, got love a that. I got a tag from Mark Norman, a tag from Shane Torres and a tag from my wife, oddly enough on this last special, mm -hmm. they each gave me a tag. I used each of their tags. Absolutely. They killed Larry Wilmore gave me a, a great tag uh, or almost more like it's like well not even just a tag it's like it's like the completion of a thought that i like kind of didn't have in there yeah. he gave it to me uh which was great i was talking about um the, the, i was talking about neo-nazis and you know i did this bit about like like you can't just put like neo you can't put, just put like a a modifying word in front of an evil word and pretend like it's not yeah like no we're not we're not we're not your grandpa's nazis you know we're neo-nazis we're different you know and and I, and I was trying to think of another example of that and larry gave me like you can't just put a modifying word in front of an evil word like you can't be like well i'm a casual child molester you know and it's <laughs> casual child molester it's like a great phrasing it's great and, it, and it, it, it's, it's a great it's a great tag it, it sort of just completes the thought which yeah. is like you just rebrand like you know it's like when they changed uh, philip morris to altria they're like now we're different it's like what they do you mean you still to altria yeah it's like you I mean, you still sell the cigarettes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like neo Nazis, like no, 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 and it, and like so. But I love that, you know. And look, sometimes people give it to you and you don't use it. Justin Smith, I don't know if you know Justin Smith. He's a younger comic that I've gotten to know in New York. He's a really funny guy, really funny joke writer. And he was watching me do a bunch of new stuff a couple weeks ago up in uh, Saratoga, and he gave me a great tag, which is um, I've been doing this bit about guns you know and uh, talking about like well, it's not just about guns it's just more about like one of the biggest problems we're not acknowledging in the country is is micro penises and like these there's so many oh. people out there with micro penises and they're overcompensating in all these different ways and micro then I go, penises are a real thing yeah and i say i go you know we that's what the F the fbi should have a watch list 
for micropenis, not Muslims, not Mexicans. You know, you're 21, you go to the doctor, they measure your dick. And if it's below a half an inch, they put you on a list. You know, they put, and then and then you go to buy a gun. You go, I'll take the Area 15. And the guy sort of goes, yeah, I can't sell you that. Sorry, you know? I can tell so, you a truck. No, and I go, and then, and then Justin gave, yeah, and so then Justin gave me the a great tag, which is uh, the bullets can't be bigger than your dick. You know, and that's the, the oh, that's the code. Great, you know, yeah. and, that, and then I go like, you know, there's a couple BB guns in the back you can buy, but you can't buy a gun where the bullets yeah. are bigger than your dick because we can't trust you. And bullets are bigger than your dick. Like it was a funny, I had a lot of laughs throughout the bit. I mean, I'm doing an abbreviated version. I had a lot of laughs throughout the bit, but that, that closes the deal. Like it's oh, a yeah. great deal closer. And it's like the standout joke. So I am never afraid to take a tag or from another comic. Or I won't it, take a joke. Uh, no, me like If a comic a goes, yeah. I got a premise for you. I'd go, no, never. No, no, I'm no. sorry. But if, if you're doing a bit and there's like a way to close it or a way to yeah. like, just put a little bow on it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll totally always take, I'll always take a tag. I'll take a, a direction. I, I don't like, like, I don't like younger comics. Um, giving me like and I, even though mark and shane are both younger than me I, I don't like like when you're on the road with the guy and he's like you know what you should do with that bit i'm always like i'm like well even if even if you have a good idea please unsolicited yeah. unsolicited is weird i it to me it says as long as a comic's like hey can i give you a tag or are you open to that oh, yeah i don't like when people just come up to me and, and and do look if it's like i was i was out with metzger the other night and i watched him do a set of some new stuff and he came off stage and i was like dude you can tag that with that he's like oh shit thank you but i've known a long yeah. time and we're like peers you know so it's not like he's just my buddy i was watching to a set yeah. but if it's you know especially if it's someone i don't know even if age isn't even a factor like i never i would always say can i give you a tag you know like i saw um pete uh what the hell is holmes it? no pete not pete holmes um and, and pete, pete from uh pete from snl tells his name ricky velez's buddy uh god i can't believe i can't think of his name uh, he's hysterical. Um, he just did. He did Comedy Central Hour. He's on SNL. He's young. He's uh, you know him. No. Um, oh, Pete Davidson. Dave Davidson. Thank yeah, you. Oh, I'm like, God I was going to say. It. I keep wanting to say Pete Dominic. I, the whole um, time you're doing that, I'm going. I don't know any Pete. Yes. Yeah. Pete. Yeah. Pete, Pete Davidson. Davidson. Yeah. Really funny dude. Really nice guy. Just uh, everything about the guy I like. But he came off stage one night doing new stuff, and I was like, "Hey, can I give you a tag on that?" He was like, "Sure," and I threw it at him. But I would never. I was like, if you want, because I was like, I know you're looking at, you're, you're building a new hour. So if you want to tell you, he's like, yeah. sure. And I, whether he took it or not, I'd no much idea. rather people pull me aside and go, uh, I, this is what I'd like, by the way. And I say this to all comics. I would like you to pull me aside and go, you're better than that bit. Like when, if you see me working on something weak, cause I, that is my, that is my fault across the board is I will laziness is my I couldn't agree more I work super hard on crafting an hour I really do work really hard but sometimes I am so close to the forest I can't see the trees and I'll be working on a hacky premise really hard and I just won't know it's hacky I don't know that a lot of people have done it like me too Rogan call, called me one day and he's like yo that bit you're doing just give you a heads up I've seen a couple people do it and I was like thank you yeah Thank you, because I would much rather never say it. And that's the reason I watch people's hours, because I go, I was like, okay, so that's the word we're all using for when someone laughs. All right. I'm going to get that out of my act, because that's in my act I, right now. I struggle sometimes watching a lot of other people's hours, especially in my current state of trying to get mine out there, because you get like, you're like, oh, Jesus Don't, Christ. No, yeah, 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 yeah. It's that, hard it to like, it's it hard to like sometimes balance the two. And it's not even, it's not jealousy as much as it's just sort of like, oh, it just makes you go like, man, I really want mine out so much more. But um, I agree with that. And I, I also think it's good to know that. Like, there's no real... 
I, like there's some people who are just like the comedy police. Like they just pay attention more than I do. And I don't. Some people just are just they're around it more, and they can. It's like it's like chefs who can pull out flavors. You yeah, know? but a lot Dimitri's of times, really good at that. Yeah, he was always really good at like going. Yeah, oh, that's a bit like his because he is an oh, like he is like his, like life to Dimitri is like ones and zeros. He's like sees the matrix, you know. Yeah, but I, I do think sometimes it's impossible. Stand up comedy has been around for a long time, and like it's impossible if you're on stage and you're talking about like I would I, I used to have a tag on a, a joke along the way like I would make fun of like Jesus and like Christians a lot not a lot but I had like a bit I was doing on it and I'd always do a tag but it's not just Christians everyone's you know everyone all religions are insane like you know Jews you know like they thought like a good idea in Judaism was like you know like four I, I, I haven't done it in a long time because I discovered it was a, a, a very similar to a um uh, Bill Maher bit from like 1980. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? And I was like, oh, I guess I can't do that anymore. But it only happened because I was watching a Bill Maher documentary or like maybe it was religious and they, they played the clip in yeah. the thing. And I was like, oh, I can't because I can't do that anymore. It's not the exact same joke, but it was about how um, like Judaism, like here's how I messed up Judaism. When they were creating the when they were creating the religion of Judaism it was obviously like four men because men control all religions sitting in like a dirt hut in the yeah. desert. And they were like, okay, what's going to make this religion special? And, and, and one of the dudes was like, what if we cut the, uh, the tips of baby penises off, you know? And, and, yeah. and instead of them being like Mordecai, get the fuck out of here. You freak who brings yeah. up baby dicks in a meeting. They were like, that's a good idea. You know, and like that's a <laughs> yeah. good idea to Jews. And they were doing it at a time that there was no antiseptics, no anesthesia, Branding. just fucking using a sharp <laughs> yeah. rock. So he has a bit about how, and I don't remember the specific wording of it, but just something about how, you know, or like Jews, it's it's not even a voluntary thing, whatever it was, but it yeah. was like enough of a circumcision bit that I was like, yeah. And look, obviously circumcision and religious jokes have been around a long time. And so that, that's going to happen. But even if it's in, for me, sometimes even if it's in the ballpark, I just like don't yeah. want to do it, you know? Dude, and, and that's the thing I'm it. really working on is like, is really trying, like you said, is really trying to like push myself a little bit more to go like, what is what's a way I can deliver this stuff that isn't. And again, like you said, there are certain guys. I'm sometimes I'm on stage and I hear me doing their voice, but I'm not doing their voice because I'm ripping them off. It's I'm just, doing their voice because my voice maybe like you said, Geraldo, like there's some dudes like Atel and I are from the same town. Like we grew up in the same hometown as Amy Schumer too, but Atel and I, I've known to tell a long time and he's one of those dudes if I watch too much and I'm on stage, I'll be like, what are you doing, Rebecca? And I'm like, yeah. that's not my voice, but, but it's, it's, but that's, there's a part of me that does feel like that. Some of that's just influence. In other words, ask yes. a dancer, like ask a musician if they haven't stolen a lick from Eric Clapton. Ask a, you yeah. know, like in other words, some of that I think has to be forgiven as, I don't know. I love George Carlin. I watch a lot of George Carlin. I love Bill Burr. There's a certain kind of comic I like. So those guys have inspired me and given me a drive. So I'm not trying to emulate them as much as it's hard for me sometimes not to like find a cadence that maybe is my cadence but maybe the reason i'm drawn to those guys is because it's naturally it feels yeah. natural to me you know so I, i'm trying i do try to separate the two between ripping someone off and also like going well i don't know like like there's a certain thing george carlin does that i've always kind of always done he'll be like you know like he like I, like and it's happened sometimes when i might say i don't do it deliberately but i'll like i'll say something like uh like he has a he has that whole bit where he in my opinion, has retired plain jokes. I think Louis found a way to do them again, but um, where he talks about with the plane crashes, you know, he, he goes through, it's one of the, I think it's the best hour ever done. It's jamming in New York. 
It's from the 90s, but it's still relevant and it still holds up. But he goes through every stage of a, a flight, every stage yeah. from like all the language mishaps, you know, um, uh, he says, okay, well, everyone get on the plane. He goes on the plane. I'm getting in the plane, you know, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, let yeah. evil Knievel get on the plane, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and he just, but some of it's like silly and hacky and some of it's perfection, yeah. like perfectly written. Um, you can use your seat as a flotation device. He goes, just what I've always wanted to be floating around the North Atlantic on a pillow full of beer farts, you know, like that. <laughs> <laughs> and he does the, and he does it. He acts it out. You know, perfect stuff. He's great. But he has a line in there, and there's a certain way he does his voice sometimes that gets in my head, which is, he talks about when they tell you about the emergency exits, and he says, "Please allow women to whatever it is." Or no, if you're sitting by the exit row helping other people off the planes, and he goes helping other people, he's like, he's like, this is when I figure out my route, you know. And he goes, <laughs> he's like, he's like, step on the children. You know, knock over the wall widow. And he's talking about how the he's going to get out of the plane, you know, and, he, and then he goes and he goes, get out of the plane, run to a farm, you know, run to a nearby farm, have a Dr. Pepper, <laughs> then call the authorities. But he adds, have a Dr. Pepper. And sometimes when I'm doing a, like a run like that on a thing, I'll, I'll add a tag and it could just be off the cuff, but it'll sound like have a Dr. Pepper. You know, I'll be yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like, eat a little more sushi. And I'm like, whoa, like. This just came out that way. That's, but I, you, you know, know what I mean. Part, it's like part I, of that I use. Like we're like war widow. Like yeah, Attel does that where he comes up. Like it's almost like he yeah. hears something brilliant and someone said something authentic in that moment, and he goes, "That would fit in." Like uh, like uh, time for some frontier medicine. Yes, I'm gonna eat a shoelace, a uh, Mister Coffee, and a, <laughs> and a and a and a can of whatever. But like yeah, I mean, my wife and I say frontier medicine all, all the, time. the time, and that's what I say again. It's like music. Like you can impersonate. And that's where I think you, you, you anyone would want to get with it. Where it's like you can impersonate Jerry Seinfeld, yeah. without doing words, right? Like if oh, I was yeah. like do a Jerry yeah. Seinfeld, yeah, just like, and it's like it's like there's it's musical, and then like Chris Rock, oh, this is good. Chris this is Rock, you bit. could do, yeah, whatever. But yeah, I didn't watch the last one yet. But but again, like any like like top tier dudes who really have a voice, you can almost do them without saying the words it's like instrumental you can almost play them instrumentally yeah. because they have oh, and it's Jesus like what Christ. it's like what you're talking about right it's like you're uh, try, you're uh, trying to find uh, but you're trying to find uh, the th yeah tells like <laughs> ah, that's amazing yeah tells like who you know and it's yeah. like and and it's uh, i don't know and and um those that's why those guys are who they are i think cuz it's more than just the lyrics it's the music you know and um that's what you're really trying to find as any comic is trying to find like you said you're trying to cut your sleeves off that's your comedy so to me it's but it's the same that. thing it's cutting your sleeves off your comedy is what is what is my music how am i delivering this because so it's rappers, not just the topics it's like i could still talk about gay marriage if bill burr talked about gay marriage i just don't want to talk about it the way he talked about it i want to talk about the way i talk about it yeah and that's he, your voice and what's, you know? what's so interesting is i remember hearing method man one time say and by the way if he didn't say this i apologize but he said it's not what you rap about it's how you rap mm -hmm. and he goes it's about how you spit like it's about that's why he would he'd do that <sighs> like uh, oh to cow yeah like just it, you could hear method like jay-z you can hear because it oh 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 you know it's just like oh, oh, oh yeah yeah just oh, fuck oh, oh. my brain up yeah so it's like i think that is true with music i think that's true like bob dylan right like you're like yeah and you're like oh bob dylan you know god damn it that so, just fucking blew my brain yeah so so like that's the thing i think every comic is looking for and that's the thing i feel like you're even talking about right now where you're going like i'm writing jokes that only i could say well, I'm the way to. i can I'm say them and to. to me that 
but that's the move. You're at that level now. Like you're, you're well-known enough. You got a fan base like people. And now you're going, now I'm going to separate myself from the pack in a different way. You know, I did it with the shirt thing. Fine. I, I don't even think that was a gimmick as much as you just like doing it. And it felt natural to you. I think the but second time around, it's a gimmick. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I mean, or you're the second time around, I'm like, I still haven't worn a shirt. I'm whatever, start man. Now. Everyone has, a, you know, a lot, most successful people have some kind of a gimmick. But I do think... You know, that's the challenge of it. And I think you either can do that or you can't. And I don't, and, and I think part of it, look, I think part of life in any success is luck and timing. It's a big factor. Luck yeah. and timing are factors. Um, but look, talent, you know, talent's a big factor, obviously, as well. But you got to have talent's a big factor. But think how not many always. fucking talented comics there are. Think about how many talented actors there are. Forget comics. Think about how many movies you've seen with an actor in it. I just saw my my girlfriend's because she's younger than me. She's thirty four. She like looks at Instagram a lot more than I do. I'm like really not that into it. I'm trying harder because apparently that matters, but it's hard. There's it's a hard. new one Rogan told me about today or talk a new pod, a new social media yeah, thing. called Vero. Maybe I'll get in it early for once. Get like, in on Vero. Something. But um. So the, but she was showing me this, this, you know, one of these funny comedy, my, my problem with Instagram sometimes as a comedian is like what passes as a joke, you know, like the memes, you know, it's like that feeling when your girlfriend says yes, but there's no ketchup in the fridge. And you're like, Staleness. what, what is Staleness. that? Like, like, it's not a joke to me where it's like that like, ass though. Yeah. Right. That makes me fucking crazy. We're like, um, yeah. When, Sliding into when, Mondays. Like, like yeah. When, oh, when yeah, we're like. Um, when you learn that there's no yogurt in, in the store, but you buy yogurt at the other store and you're like, is that when, when that happens? I don't mind a good meme, a meme that makes me laugh. I don't either, man, but man. some of them are good and some of them are hacky Fucking and stolen. The majority of them are hacky and stolen. Oh yeah. Completely. I, I, this is, I'll go even this far. I don't like, I, I have a problem with people reposting simply funny things they found online on their Instagram. Yep. I go, no, 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 no. I would have found that anyway. You don't get credit for that. Yep. I don't want to see that you got 40,000 likes on a video you had nothing Repost. to do with. Yeah. You just found enjoyable, so you posted it to yours. Yep. I've, I try to create all my original content because mm -hmm. I'm a comedian. That's what I fucking do for yep. a living. And I just struggle, I think, some, for me sometimes, creating original content in that space because I don't really think about that. I like Twitter a lot. I have a lot of fun on Twitter. I like writing jokes. Sometimes they do well, sometimes they don't. And that's by do well, I mean get a lot of retweets or likes, right? You got to be in but, that in that mindset yeah, like you gotta I'm, be I'm a, in the mood i'm a visual person mm -hmm. so I, and i think i'm better in like a podcast visual medium like in meaning one of the two um and and so like for instance i i, I came out with this series a long long time ago called what will the maid think and they it got really really big mm -hmm. and that and now people, like in a hotel yeah i'd leave a hotel room in a really interesting way they went viral <laughs> It, they were like really crazy. Right. And so I'll show you some of them when we're done. Yeah, but uh, but they went, went viral and then people would post them as their own. And it really bothered me. Yeah. And I'd be like, no, no, no. I created that. I'm the one that sat in the room. And then you just got to give it up to the world and go, I guess there's nothing I can do about that. Yep. I, I uh, it's, it's that Richard Lewis bit on Curb Your Enthusiasm years ago when he says from hell is his <laughs> he's like that's mine larry you know like the idea of like that was the vacation from hell he's like that's me yeah i put from hell there you know what i mean <laughs> people just use it now you know and um and uh i had that happen to me only about one time where i did a, a post which was ivanka trump in that silver foil dress i saw with, this with yeah and i, I saw this. and, and I, 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 I and i said this. to my girlfriend i was like what you know and she helped me with it but we went online and we and i found this where she found whatever a, a 
perfectly wrapped burrito that looked exactly the same and I put it out there and it was the best Instagram post as far as likes and whatever I ever did. But it went to... And you wrote, who wore it better? Yeah, <laughs> but, but it went to everywhere. It went to like... Oh. In, in other words, with no... Like it went to these Instagram sites like... Uh, not fat Jew, but that level of like, oh, uh, you know, lad Bible, beige, and, yeah, beige yeah. B- uh, cardigan, whatever, all these kind of like that level of where it was getting like a hundred thousand likes and I had no credit on it, you know, here's, and I, and what, it would be like, and it was one of those things where I'm like, how much should that bother me and how much should it not bother me? But then there's a party that's like, well, the goal, I guess, of being on Instagram is to get as many followers as possible so that when you're promoting something or putting something out there, people like you. So then it's like, well, if I did that and nobody knows I did it, then I guess it failed, you know? And then you're like, people are like, oh, you could watermark. And I'm like, but that seems so stupid. Watermark. Yeah, yeah like put like at Rory uh, Albanese across it. It's like, now you're like really going, because the biggest joke about that is then you watermark it and only 80 people like it and then you're just like a loser (laughs) which is more likely this scenario that's what happened with my machine story is i posted it and then people started stealing it and going and posting it on their own thing but luckily it was my stand-up so i was in my like the fat jew all them i was like post away yeah post away because that's your don't even credit me you don't even need to credit me people will figure out all someone's gonna say is who's the guy that got involved with the russian mafia and you're like that's all i need i mean it got 40 million views on my page jesus christ but it got another hundred across a board of people just posting it everywhere like one guy got like 59 million views on his page and i was i don't this it's a fucking total fake uh, facebook page it's a guy's name Man, the guy gets views. I was like, fucking post away. Yeah. I do that with every video I have. I go, if people want to post it, post it. I don't yeah. care. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and look, I'd be thrilled for someone to grab one of my... I'm only recently started putting little snippets to be doing stand-up. Oh, my stage. God. But, fucking um, litter. That's what made Kevin Hart. Yeah, but you know what's funny is, now that I have this hour and I'm waiting for it to be released, I'm just starting to go, well, I should just finalize the edit and just start putting it on YouTube or posting it because there's no reason not to. Yeah. There's no reason not to. And it it, it is one of those things where, um, part of it is, you know, part of it was like the whole experience of like thinking it was going somewhere and then it not. And then like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out it not going somewhere. Yeah, No, I'm saying, but I could still, yeah, I can still, but I I tell you what, I, you know, I I got in a showtime. I, I, I got a, Wrap up. I have a girl daughter coming out of the hospital soon. Jesus Christ. So, uh, so <laughs> yeah, no, and I but, a... but, um, we'll, we'll hear, we'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll tighten this up and we'll wrap it up in a night boat, nice bow. And then if everyone wants to hear a three hour interview with Rory, he'll be on Rogan tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'll be listening to that live. I'll get on the treadmill and listen to Sweet. it. I love when you're on Rogan. I'm, you, I, 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 on... I, he's, I, like I said, it, it, that's, he loves you, man. You can tell, you that's can tell one of those you... things, man, where like, you know, I didn't know him. I did his podcast and we just hit it off. And um, I never had something. I mean, like I said, I did the Daily Show for years and whatever. I mean, sure, behind the scenes stuff. But I have, I have more people come up to me because of that. I still have people come out to see shows and they go, dude, I heard John Rogan. Dude, he's. Well, and it's like, and it's like his fans, they're they're like great comedy fans, great comedy fans. Great man. they're like really fans. cool people. And like they're very cool. And people. they're really uh-huh. interested in a lot of things. And they remember like some I've had dudes come up to be like, oh, remember when you said that thing? on?" That's why I said to you, I said that music thing on Rogan. I only know that because recently, I mean, I don't, I don't like listen to it back. It's like yourself. It's weird to listen to yourself. I, uh, but recently I was at a club and like a, a younger comic was like, dude, I heard you on Rogan. I was like, oh, thanks. He's like that thing you said about comedy being like music was really like impacting me. I was like. 
oh did i say that on there you know oh, like yeah, yeah. and 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 uh people it's like you know you it's almost like more memorable than anything else you can do because people are hearing you talk it goes over and over and over and it reaches such a broad yeah people say that to me about like hey that story you told on rogan someone said this about a fi the fighter and the kid they're like hey man you do, how come you're not going to tell that haircut bit you did on fighter and the kid i was like what haircut bit yeah. And they're like, dude, it was hilarious about the guy cutting your hair with a razor blade. And I was like, oh, because did I didn't think of that as a comedy. Bit. I go, how did you know? I was like, oh, I don't because you're just, yeah, you're just riffing. You're, you're just talking. Yeah. yeah. And I, I've had that. Um, I've had that too. Just being out with friends. Like it happened to me the other day. There's these two guys. I, I was in this web series last year and I was out here for like, like a month shooting this thing. And uh, the two guys who did it were like young and cool and like young director, young writer. Like they're just cool, you yeah. know, much cooler than I am. And uh, they want I, I told them I was out here. So we went and had lunch the other day and I was just like talking to them and I was, I was started going on this unintentional, but they were talking about like how hard it is to get stuff out there and people to watch it and whatever is good or bad. And I go, and, and then the other thing is even if it's good, people hate everything now. And I just started going on this tear about like, like Justin Timberlake at the Super Bowl. Like, yeah. I couldn't believe people hated that. Like, it was like 20 minutes of a dude, like, singing, dancing, it, not lip syncing. There were, like, mirrors. It was in a stadium. He yeah. played a baby grand I mean, a, not even a full grand piano. Like, he's a dad. How many fucking dads do you know that are fucking doing that? You yeah. know what I mean? Most dads are, like, at home fucking on the couch farting, right? This dude's... And then he does that thing with the microphone. And the people are like, that sucked. And you're like, dude. that sucked. And I, like, and I just started going on this tear about it. And then it brought me back to, like, that show Lost, where people hated Lost. They were like, and I was like, <laughs> Lost was on seven years, and they did 24 episodes a season on free television. Yeah. It wasn't HBO. It was ABC. On the house. On the house. 24 episodes a year of show shot on location in hawaii with a plane crash special effects da, 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 and people were like this smoke monster didn't wrap up well and it's like fuck it and dude. it's that and i and then i texted him the other day and i go dude because he was like you should do that on stage i was like what and then i thought about it and i was doing a spot last night and i texted him and i went what was the thing you said i should do on stage because i totally forgot about it and they both hit me back like verbatim with what i said and then i did a show last night and i tried it you know and it was like oh. that was because sometimes you're just talking you know yeah. and you don't realize what you're saying to someone else seems oh, do, like a do, bit do know? a podcast once a week and you find all this shit you drop do you do you uh listen back and go hey that's no. a good bit for me or no no not at all not at all i bear uh -oh, hold on uh -oh. not the flu uh latin nasty virus giving her steroids much better tomorrow all right, we should wrap this up. All right, yeah, for um, sure. So you're going on Rogan tomorrow? Yeah, I'm on okay. Rogan tomorrow. I'm, and or, yeah, maybe we'll. Uh, I think I'm. I'll, I was going to go down to the this. comedy store tonight and see Jeff Jeff Ross's uh, um, roast, roast battle. battle. Oh, yeah. you've never been to a roast battle? No, I've been, but I want to come out here. Yeah, like oh, I want to see one's it. Fucking yeah. insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and if you're into weed, Gino always loads you up with a pet. Gino at Speedweed. Shout out to Gino at Speedweed. No, oh, I don't. Yeah, I don't oh. know Gino. I don't oh, really know anyone at the comedy store. I was there the other night hanging well, out. Well, everyone's but... sick at my house. I might go out to the comedy store tonight. Yeah, dude, come out. I with might. Me. That'd be out. good because then you can introduce. Should have called people. in for fucking avails. I was like, I'm gonna stay away from comedy for two weeks. Yeah. And try to live my life with my family mm -hmm. and be a dad for two weeks. Like, yeah. Just I was burning it so hard leading up to this special that I was like. Like every week I was gone. Yeah, that's was, nice to take a two week break like that. I think that's I smart. Like, I do that. Fence. I do that sometimes uh, if I'm on the road a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, and then I'm like the whole week I'm at like the cellar every night or doing yeah. like two spots a night at different clubs on the Santa New York. Then it's a cellar in New York County, and I'll just go. You know what? Like I don't have a couple gigs. I don't have gigs for a couple weeks. Yeah. 
I, 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 I'm working on new stuff. It's not like I have an hour coming up. Yeah. It's like take a, take a week take off. Take a week off and live yeah, a life. Like you go, go out with friends. Yeah, exactly. Be funny at a table like you were as a kid. And just goof around, yeah. Hey, I gotta, I've got to have you on this podcast again. I'd when love you, to, man. I'm going to come even, out here again in a couple months. So well, How I'll long are you here for? I'm here till uh, Monday, oh, like another week, like okay. Monday, basically. Maybe we'll do another one later in the week. Right. I mean, because I, there's so much I didn't get to talk to you about. Yeah. I want to talk to you about... So when you come back, this is what I want to talk to you about. Remind I'll, me of this. I'll often. remember. <laughs> I want to talk to you about what it was like because I had the same experience leaving television and going back on the road, mm-hmm. going from being successful and and with money to still having money, but being humbled by like going into a place oh, yeah. where you, I want to talk about that experience. And that happened when nobody knows you when you show up. Dude. Like the bouncer's like, can I help you, sir? You're like that big poster I'm behind you. That happened That's to me. me. That happened to me at the truck this weekend. It happens to me all the time. I sold out five shows at the truck and I go and I cut the line and the owner's like, who the fuck are you? Get the fuck out of here and yeah, i was and like, like i'm burt and she was like oh my god i'm so sorry yeah i know it just happens yeah it's this yeah but dude i think you're fucking phenomenal what, what are your tour dude. do you know your tour dates coming up yeah i got a, a couple of stuff in uh uh this month in march i've got um i'm in rhode island i gotta look i have to look at my own website that's how stupid i was i should have prepared um yeah i'll tell you where i am because it'll be good to have people come to my shows um i am at uh here we go I'm at uh, the Comedy Connection in Rhode Island, East Providence, nice. on the 9th and 10th, and then at their other club in, in Massachusetts, Cabot Comedy Club, on the 11th of March. And then I'm at, this is the place, Ho-Chunk Casino in um, Black River Falls, Wisconsin. Yeah, I'm there for Ho-Chunk. one night. Ho-Chunk Casino, yeah. And uh, that's uh, in Wisconsin, so come to that. But I'm sure most people who are coming to that, as you know with most casino shows, are people like taking a break from losing money. <laughs> they're like the worst audience because they're so mad. Dude, the casino shows that I go to are, have been really fucking fun yeah because they're yeah. fun but sometimes like people in the audience are like how much how, how bad is it you know some, like, some people they're like yeah. cool and they're like cooling their heels for a bit and then i'm at the comedy works in denver the 29th to the 31st that whole weekend of march and well, then, i know these people i know we have denver fans so yeah please up. that you guys please gotta go come to that and then show. uh co-host music hall in april uh, that's like april 20th i meant of co-host music hall in upstate new york which is just a this really dude guy a good dude who owns this club in saratoga springs also called the comedy works and books he in like a bunch of theaters just a cool dude like likes having nice. comics from new york city come up and work out material yeah well uh like i trust me when i say you're one of my favorite people per people to listen to on a podcast thanks man and every I time i listen I, to you, i'm like I go, a, you know i gotta tell you when we met it was funny when you came up to me at that party at the comedy cellar i was like i'm like such a fan of yours that i was like I don't, I don't want to say like starstruck, but it's like when you like, do you have comics you just like and you don't know? Yeah. And oh, then, oh, and yeah, then you're like, feel, you know yeah. what I mean? And then you were like, hey, dude, I've always wanted me. I was like, oh, I was trying to be like, yeah, whatever. I was yeah. like, yeah, dude. And then when I said to my girlfriend afterwards, I'm like, dude, that was so cool. Like, I'm such a fan of Bert. And, and that's like I said, like there's it's a whole group of LA guys like I don't know Tom either you know and it's like I just told, this, I was talking to Tom about you yeah there's uh, this whole group ago. of dudes out there that like I just want to get to know and like because I love and they're so funny and they seem like dudes I would hit it off with but like I'm not out here you know and that's one of the reasons I'm trying to come out dude, here more just hang yeah. out more and I, yeah dude and so I'm, see I'm, tonight maybe come, you, come out with me yeah, I'm gonna go see the, oh, my daughter right now but depending on how if she's real sick I might head out and if she's okay sick we may be a I'm family. also doing the improv Thursday with Rogan 
and uh, Brian Redband show I'm on. Oh, nice. Yeah, so if you, I mean, again, if you can't make it out tonight, but just be fun to have some drinks and shoot the shit more. I'd like to do that. Maybe yeah. maybe one of the nights these weeks we'll do that because yeah. I'm, one of the things I'm really good at, one of my really biggest strengths is introducing people. Really? I'm, well, that's, dude, I'm that's really what amazing. I need at the comedy store. I'm amazing. Yeah, I need some ask, interest. Ask, uh, ask um, Chris DiStefano. Okay. He was out here and I was like, who do you want to meet? And he was like, what? I was like, come here, let me walk you around. Yeah. Because I, I love introducing people. That's awesome. Like, that's it. That's a nice thing to hear, man, because I do think there's a part of the industry that's like, you don't want to always approach someone and go, hey, I'm a comic. You know what I mean? Like, it's always well, so much nicer to have. there's a lot of us that are, like, where our ego gets a little bit in the way. We're like, like I, look, I, I know they may know they may know me. I don't know. Or I may have met them before. So yeah. me going up and saying hi, that yeah. backfired me. I saw Michael Costa, and I just got caught off guard because he had a motorcycle helmet in his hand. Yeah. I didn't know he rode motorcycles. And I was like, hey, man, I'm Bert. And he was like, are you fucking kidding uh -huh. me? And I was like, oh, my God, Michael, I'm so sorry. And he was like, you're fucking, are you, did you just big time me? And I was oh, like, God. oh, my God. Dude, I always don't think that's big timing either. I always try to reintroduce myself to people. I assuming, always reintroduce myself. Because assuming they don't remember me. Do you know what I mean? To not make it awkward. Yeah. And um, so people think that's like big timing. I'm like, no, I think that's little timing. Because in my head, I'm like, I'm so insignificant. Yeah. You probably have no idea who I am. <laughs> well, listen, have, Thanks, have fun on Rogan tomorrow. Super fun. Thanks, man. And uh, I'll post this either tomorrow or next week, depending on. All right. Thanks for having me on. I, I, I love it. I appreciate it, brother. Super fun. Thank you. Cool. Thanks. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.